This life unraveled. Each of us has a story. How many times do you listen to other people's stories? Like really, really listen. This Life Unraveled shares stories from all walks of life. Our purpose is to create a space for inclusivity, a place to be honest about our traumas, our successes, our failures, our stories, our truths. To share so that we can create understanding and compassion and to provoke our thought patterns. Are you willing to listen? There's a button. So... I'm finally figuring this out, Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> I'm finally figuring this out. So today we have our guest Charlotte Johnson with us, and I'm super excited. So I have, to, and you also go by Charlie. Like yes. Charlie's your nickname, right? Okay. So you may hear me refer to her as Char- Charlotte or Charlie. I feel like those are different sounds. Charlie and Charlotte. They are. They're different they are. sounds. Okay. So it's not just it's it's not my brain like playing a trick on me here. So <laughs> they are truly different sounds, Adrian. Yes. Um. So the funny story about how we met, I don't even remember. What, do you remember what year it was? I don't remember. It had to be before it was COVID. Before the pandemic. So it had to be 2019. Okay. Yes. So that means that in 2018, on Halloween, I was at Bush Gardens with um, a friend of mine. And as we were in the lines, because it was like crazy busy at this time of year, I met one of your roommates, Jennifer, yes. and her daughter. Oh, I know her daughter's name. Remind me. Lily. Lily. Yes, Lily. Every time I see, I love Lily. Lily's amazing. So I met Lily and Jennifer and it was funny because like, obviously I'm an extreme extrovert. So I'm in line and I just start talking to them. And next thing we know, we find out that they're from like, literally they were in Carrie then. Um, I was in like the Garner 4042 area, but it's funny because now we both live in Clayton. Um, So we kind of connected. We became Facebook friends And then about a year later, not even a year later, during my baking, I'd offered, you know, some like pies, cookies, that type of thing. She bought um, something. She bought truffles from me, I think. She bought truffles from you. And then when you found out about you making the additional things, she got a chess pie for me. Yes. Oh, a chess pie. Those are good. And I love making stuff from scratch. My oven is currently jacked up, but. Uh, that's another story for another day. It's continually jacked up in this house. But um, you got a pie for me. And then it's funny because like maybe a month and a half later, I was like, you know what? I really want to go back to um, Hallow Scream at Bush Gardens. Yeah, Bush Gardens yeah. And Marissa is my oldest child that has special needs. She loves roller coasters. She is fearless. She wanted to go. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I ask Jennifer? Because like we had, I think we had free tickets. Yes. Where we could get you and Jennifer in. And I said, why don't I just ask Jennifer if like her and Charlie want to go? And well, well, you didn't know me at that time. I didn't know you. You, yeah. you, you were checking to see if Lily was going to go with you. Okay. See, I can't and, remember all that. And, and Lily wasn't available. She was out of, out of the country. Okay. Oh, yeah. She was out of the country for a while. So it ended up that you went and it was our first time actually officially meeting. Yes. Right? Was, and was me pulling up and... Y'all getting in my Jeep. And us getting in the Jeep and going to Virginia with you. Because that's mm-hmm. like how I like to roll. You know, like I had a good feeling about you. I'm like, we're, we're cool. Everything's good. And we actually all ended up, didn't we share a hotel room that night too? Did we? Did yes. we? Yeah, we all slept over, spent the night, and then we came back home. And 
it was a fantastic trip. It was a good time. And it's just funny because I remember at Bush Gardens, this was kind of, this is, Adrian always tells too much and everybody knows that. But I remember I'm in the bathroom with you and I cut a big fart in the Bush Gardens bathroom. And I'm like laughing so hard. And then we get up to go wash our hands. And I actually said, you know, I'm never going to see these people again. And then I looked at you and I was like, oh my God, I'm literally here with someone I met at Bush Gardens last year and basically a stranger. And here I am farting in front of the world thinking I'll never see these people again. And I'm proving that the likelihood of that is actually very slim. <laughs> so yes. I was like really laughing hard at that because most of the time when you're in public and you do something crazy, you're truly never going to see the person again. But in my case, I literally was taking a trip and spending the night in the same room as these people who I had just met, yes. which it, it was kind of a funny story. So, but um, yeah, so I'm so thankful that you were willing to be on our podcast. I'm, um, our whole goal with this really is to we want to celebrate diversity we want to promote inclusion and we want people to develop an understanding for things that they may not understand yeah so that's kind of our goal here so well I guess that's our main goal that and we like to make people laugh occasionally and I hear that some people cry but you know whatever and and there's tissues there in case you start crying there there will be crying today okay there will be okay well you feel free if you need to cry now when I don't cry I don't want you to think I'm some hard-hearted woman it's because i'm medicated (laughs) so like if i don't cry it is literally because i am just medicated so i have like it's rare for me to cry so if i cry you should watch out like it's bad so um so like i would love to start out with what state were you born in like were you are you from north carolina i was born in raleigh were you really me too rex i've only ever lived in in north carolina um i was born at wake med Okay, okay, so you were born in a different hospital, I'll give you that, okay, and and you are earlier, you did reveal your age to me, are you comfortable saying how old you are? Uh, yeah, I'm currently 37. Currently 37, must be nice to still be in your 30s, <laughs> and hopefully you won't be like me when you turn 40 and suddenly realize that you need reading glasses, which was very hard on me, because I was like, why am I getting old, what is happening, like it was... I'm struggling with the concepts of aging, Charlie. I really am. I am I am struggling, but uh, recently a friend brought up a good point. He told me, at least you're, st- you're still here. Yeah. Like, you're still here. And I lost a friend when they were only 33, so I was like, ooh, that kind of popped me right in the gut. I was like, he is right. I am still here. I need to embrace my aging. I think it's hard, though, for women. Like, we see our wrinkles and stuff, and we're like, oh, my God, what happened? I need plastic surgery, you know? <laughs> I want to look young again. Give me the Botox. But, yeah. So, I'm, I'm having to learn to embrace those things. Um, so, you were born in Raleigh, yep. North Carolina. Wake Med, to be exact. So, you've always lived in, like, Wake County or now you're in Johnston. Uh, yeah. Wake County, Johnston County. Um, and for a couple of years, I lived in New Hanover and Wilmington. Oh, okay. You yes. know what? It's funny because when you kind of started into that, I thought it's going to be near the beach. It's going to be near the beach. It's. I think that's a thing like for a lot of people around here. I, I'm not even a big fan of the beach. Really? I. I was at. A, I got laid off. Oh, uh huh. And I was at a work for about two months. Oh wow! Before I got the job in Wilmington. Okay. And I moved from here to Wilmington. So you moved there for a job then? Yes. Okay. So you weren't like, yes, beach, whatever. 
No, I came back here pretty much constantly. Did you really? Like home sweet home. Yeah, I I grew up around this area, so I love I love this area. I like being close to Raleigh. I like being close to what I call some civilization. It's it's strange for me to go into more of like our farming communities and some of the coastal towns and see, I'm going to be honest, some of the poverty. Yeah. Some of the poverty surprises me. Um, and I consider, I actually consider ourselves very fortunate to live where we do because I think we have um, more choices with jobs and that type of thing. Yeah. More opportunities um, to, to be able to to do more with what's around us. So, but I do love North Carolina for the beach and the mountains and the fact that it's so easy. I love the mountains. Do you really? I, love the mountains a lot. I could see that. Like if you're not a beach person, then you're probably like, Oh yeah. Mountains balls to the wall. Yeah. So, um, have you ever been out West? Like I just did Arizona. Did you? Um, so this past fall, uh-huh. uh, I went to Las Vegas. Oh my gosh. And played in the world series of poker. Are you serious? Hold on, we're going to have to come back to that at some point. World Series of Poker, oh my God. Like and, Until then, the furthest west I'd gone is New Orleans. Okay. The furthest west I had been was Tennessee, and so it was a really big culture shock for me. And I actually, um, now that I've been in Arizona and I went to Arizona for like a week, I really miss seeing the cactus everywhere. That was kind of cool to just see cactus like all over the road and just not as much grass. And um, no pollen. The no pollen was like really uh, impressive since we are now in the pollening in North yes. Carolina. We are in the pollening. We are in the yellowing. It is happening. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need about a, maybe a week and another really good rain. Yes. And we'll be moving out of it. Yes. Yeah, that's like, it's so funny because Sean did this video on Facebook last week where he was like... <laughs> You hear that, people? You hear that? That's my clear sinuses because I'm not affected by allergies. And then my beautiful husband woke up this morning with allergies. Yes. So it's, everybody, he is not in the nose clear gang. I just want you to know that for our friends out there that are listening. Something affected him. Uh, what, what affected him was that he mentioned he didn't have them. I know. That's totally what I thought. I thought, mm -hmm. It's putting a bad mouth on it. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have done it, buddy. You went out there and you were like showing your nice clear nostrils to the world while the rest of us were suffering. And then now you're having a little suffer, which he'll probably listen to this and he'll be like, well, it's not really allergies, but it is. It is. We know it's the pollening. We're not dumb. So I know I digress like quite a bit. <laughs> so it's, it's one of my worst habits, but it can also be fun. And we got to come back to that World Series of Poker. But so you, you have been out West before, but you were born in the Raleigh Raleigh area mm -hmm. um, and you've lived in New Hanover County um, and Johnston County but you prefer it around here um, do you have brothers and sisters uh, I have one full brother okay one half brother and I believe an additional half brother oh, okay like did my, like if we did a DNA test we might find out about something maybe uh, we, we know for certain about the one half brother okay um, he was he was born as my dad went into the military. Oh, uh-huh. And after he got out of the military is when he met my mom. Oh, okay. Okay. So he just had a little little fun before he joined. And while he was in the military, oh. we believe he fathered a child in, uh, is that Korea? Oh, wow. So you may have a, yeah, yeah. You may have a little half-sibling yeah. running around. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh 
Yeah, there's um, six years between me and my brother, my full brother. Mm -hmm. You said six years? Six years. Okay. Are you older or are you younger? I'm youngest. You're the youngest, so you're the baby of the family. Yes. Okay, that's cool. I'm the oldest, so it's it's I, there's a very different dynamic for an oldest child versus a youngest child. Very different dynamic in how they're raised, in everything, in everything. I mean, my girls, I raise them completely differently than I have my son, Um in fact, I've been much more laid back with my son. I was really strict with the girls. Um, so let's see. So you're born. Um, did your family, like, do you feel like your parents had a good marriage? Are they still together? Uh, no. That's a big uh, my, N-O. <laughs> my, uh, my father had some really bad problems. And uh, I saw him maybe five times between the ages of and 21 when he died. No way. Wow. Now, did he die of like natural causes or no? Uh, he died of septicemia. Septicemia. That is no joke. That's basically when you have a blood infection, right? Yes. Essentially. Yeah, I've seen some... Um, We've had a friend that actually was recently going through that, and she's in rehab right now. I'm not sure, you know, what triggered it. Um, but it's crazy how our bodies, something that may seem minor, can suddenly just poison your whole system. So, um, uh, very yeah. specifically for him, it was, uh, he had some veins in his leg collapse. Oh. From all of his, uh, substance abuses. Okay. Okay. And they went in to do surgery to try to correct that. Yes. But the circulation had stopped for too long. Oh, my goodness. So he got the blood poisoning, is what they commonly call yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, Shortly after coming out of surgery, they mm -hmm. ended up putting him in an induced coma. Whoa. To try to hit his body hard to stop the infection. Wow. And uh, as far as I know, he never woke up from it. Wow, that's intense. So at that point, you guys did really, I mean, if you only saw him five times, I'm assuming there really wasn't much of a relationship there. No. Yeah. I, uh, I can barely tell you what he looked like. Really? Wow. And that's from some pictures from when I was a toddler. Wow. Um, so at what age did your parents split up? Was it right after you were born or? I was four. You were four. Okay. I was four too when my parents split up. So I, that, uh, I can relate to how a four-year-old child feels at that stage in life. It's, it's a little bit confusing for a four-year-old, honestly. It, I was afraid of him then. Where are you? Yeah. And I didn't quite know or understand enough at the time. Yeah, yeah. But um, he had issues with substance abuse and violence. Yeah. And uh, he tried to hurt our mother multiple times. Sometimes he actually did. Oh. And uh, one time around the after they split up, he tried to burn our house down. Uh, All y'all were in it? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This kind of stuff, like, when we do this podcast, like, it just makes me think of what people have been through that you have no idea. You're walking by somebody in the Walmart, and their daddy tried to burn their darn house down when they were in it when they were a kid. I mean, that is intense to me. These are just not the kinds of things that you hear on a regular basis. Um, so your mom, how did she do coming out of that abusive cycle? Um, for 
for the most part, she did pretty well. Uh, she did struggle from time to time, but yeah. part of that's being a single mom with two children. Yes. Uh, at that time, my older brother was 10. Okay. And I was four going five. Yeah, yeah. So there was there was a lot. And yeah, I can see that. A lot of that ended up being stuff that my grandparents helped out with. My grandparents, like, I don't think we would have survived. Or I don't know where we would have ended up. You know, some of the times I think my uncle also helped out. Really? Um, he lived here then, and uh, he he was also a uh, former military. And okay, basically the only person in my family who wasn't afraid of our dad. Wow, that's pretty intense. Definitely. Um, did you ever worry? Um, I, I, this is kind of a deep question, but did you ever worry that any of that will be hereditary, like an abusive pattern or not really? Did you feel, have you always felt, have you felt more like disconnected? Like that wouldn't be you or, or your brother? Um, no, but I did deal with some anger issues. Yeah. And I can, I, I've dealt with some anger issues in the past myself. And, um, I thank the Lord for the acetylopram running through my body right now that helps me <laughs> because, I would, yeah. yeah, I had some issues too where I would get angry like really quick and fast and it would be really difficult. And then I'd immediately live in regret like, oh my God, what did I just do? Why did I act that way? I was so crazy, but it was, it felt very uncontrollable at the time. And now I feel very much more measured and like I can control my actions. I mean, I'm an adult. I want to control my actions, but sometimes I think when we have a chemical imbalance, it can be difficult yeah. um, or with appropriate therapy. Or talking to someone, you might can figure out ways that work for you to not react that way. Um, so, you and your brother were you close growing up? Yes. Okay, that's good. Um, we were incredibly close until roughly when he, he met his or just got got engaged to his wife. Okay, did he get engaged fairly young, like well, young man, he, young he, teenager? He was engaged fairly young, but that was. Not who he's married to. Okay. Okay. Um, she, was, she was kind of a thing. Uh, she was a bit much at times, but she was really good for him. Oh. And uh, she passed away. Oh, no. Suddenly. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. So he had that happen, and then he ended up finding someone else, and then you guys kind of were not as close then. Yeah. Um, we, when get, you we got a little closer after his... His, his first fiance passed away. Yeah. I, I can't imagine even dealing with that. You know, I've seen stuff like that on, well, like for, American for Idol. For a while there, I was worried about him. And, yeah. Uh, then he got, he got better around the time that I started having problems again. Oh, wow. Isn't it funny how that works out sometimes? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Little yo-yo effect there. Um, was there faith in your house growing up or not really? Were you guys kind of like chill? Uh, so there was a lot of, uh, it wasn't so much direct faith for, I guess, me and my brother, but yeah. it was definitely for our mom. Okay. Um, and our mom's side of our family, uh, if I understood correctly, helped found, uh, Corinth Church. Oh, wow. No way. Back in the day, uh, and, uh. I don't even know when that was Corinth founded. Holders. Really? Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. My grandfather still lived over there until he passed away last year. Okay. So your mom um, is still alive. Is yes. that correct? And is your mom still, is is she still a religious person? 
in your opinion? Somewhat. Okay. Uh, her faith and religion kind of went down some when me and my brothers went down completely. Okay. Okay. So I'm sure we'll shed some light on that part of the story in just a bit. Um, so, um, I'm trying to, th- is there anything else from your childhood that like you think we should discuss or uh, I don't want to miss anything? Well, one of the things that, uh, I would mention is, when I was uh, five, uh-huh. um, I was molested by an older cousin. Oh, no. Uh, older female cousin. Uh-huh. And it didn't ever really cause me problems. Yeah. Um, what happened is when I realized what actually did happen, yeah. I realized that someone had been doing that to her. Oh, God. Now, so, was that harder for you, thinking that someone had done it to her? Yes. Really? Much harder. So, it almost makes me think if you're an extremely compassionate or um, an empath. Like, if you feel other people's pain more, because you would just kind of be like, mm, uh, it wasn't as bad for me. It was probably absolutely terrible for her, you know. Um, for me, it was not, uh, I don't know, it wasn't harmful to... It wasn't harmful to me. Yeah, it, yeah. And I was in the process of, at this point, I just, I'm a people pleaser. I try to make a lot of people happy. Yeah. And I looked up to her and she wanted me to do it. So we did that. You So you it, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and a lot of kids, can, I don't know, how much older was she than you? I, I guess I should ask that. I think she was between my age and my brother's age. Okay, so she was still pretty young, too. Yes. So, I mean, I I can see where you're coming from She was that. not quite a teenager. So she wouldn't, there's some times that you don't know the difference between what would be considered right and wrong. And especially if that had already been happening to her, um, and she wanted to explore those feelings without being the victim. You know, I could understand that, in a sense, definitely. Um, I know that's kind of a loaded subject to talk about we, but we, we never truly talked much about it um because i didn't quite really understand what it was until i was about 13 or 14 and then you were like oh oh snap I, and then i was able to put things together and was yeah like, hmm. hmm, that probably shouldn't have happened yeah, yeah i get that so did you I, i'm assuming then you probably didn't really struggle with it much at five or did you struggle you didn't it was just kind of it, it honestly as a cousin, as a playmate, it was probably more like a, we were just playing. Yeah. Like it wasn't much different than that probably. Um, so, um, what was, obviously we're going to discuss today being transgender. Yes. Um, and I'm so, like I said, I'm so honored and so thankful that you were willing to come on and talk to us about that because I, I'm personally feel it is not a subject that a lot of people understand. And before I, it took me a long time to change what I was taught about homosexuality for me to also even begin to try to understand um, gender identity. Yeah. Totally, which, which a lot of people do not understand, I think, that sexuality and gender identity are two completely different things. And it's important, I think, that we address that and we say um, that. Yes. And I'll be honest, you know, four years ago probably, I didn't understand it. I had a friend that I noticed that she was allowing her 
what used to be a boy, and I will refer to her as a female because this is what the child, the child is a female now. Yes. Um, and I was in shock and not understanding and seeing her allow her child to dress in dresses and things like that. And, and at that time I didn't understand. And I was like, what's going on here? Is that psychologically okay? You know, and you see there's, there's a, I don't know all the stuff going on in all these other states right now, but there's some stuff going down right now with some transgender stuff. Like I know um, I follow um, a mom. Te- Texas and Florida Texas. Are, pretty, are pretty much the roughest. Yeah, like right now, of. it's. I think Texas has got, I mean, they're basically trying to say it's child abuse if you allow your child to to go forward, I think, with anything. Um, yeah. Is that is that even dressing as the sex they believe to be in? I mean, do they consider that abuse uh, or is it more... It's con- they're they're considering what we what people well people call social transitioning. Okay, because uh, there's a chemical aspect. Yeah, the social aspect is presenting and yes, and spending time with people in situations the way you would. Yeah, if, if you had been born uh, cis. Okay. Yes, and cis for people that don't know basically means I'm cis. Yes. Right. So when I was born. I was born a female, um, and is cis more, cis is your gender identity, right? Like, it's more, it's not your sexuality, too, or is it? It is, it's your, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm clear on that. It it means that you identify as the gender you were assigned at birth. Okay, so I definitely have always identified as a female. I've never looked at my body and thought, you know, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't, now I'd like a whole new set of boobies. We're not even going to lie there. These things are like crepe paper, because I was like, now the whole world knows. I'm so sorry. Um, But I was 300-something pounds, now I'm 150 pounds. Those boobies don't bounce back. They just don't. So I would like a new set. But I never struggled with who I was in my body. Everything felt normal to me. Um, There was never a struggle. Um, And mentally, I felt the same. Emotionally, I felt the same. And then also with my actual sexuality, I was always attracted to men. Now, from day one, I knew that it was not acceptable for me to be attracted to females but I, I never felt attracted to a female. And I will say this. I've talked to friends, um, and it's funny because they, they 100% identify as being heterosexual. But they're like, oh, yeah, like I had a crush on this girl. And I was like, home girl, home girl. Hey, hey, honey, you need to think this through. You are probably, I know you don't want to hear me say it, but you're probably bisexual. And you just don't know it because you were told you couldn't be anything but. heterosexual so because of that you didn't even entertain those thoughts but here's the deal i've never had a crush on another female i've never been it's only been men i'm only attracted to men i'm attracted to men that look like sean i swear if they're bald and they're big and they got a big old beard i'm like oh my god look at him look at him you know what i'm saying so so that's always been my thing so i've it's funny when women are like Oh yeah, definitely. I've I've been a try. I've thought they were cute, and like I like really was crushing on them and thinking about them all the time. And I'm like, then yeah, you're probably you just didn't realize, you didn't allow yourself to even feel that way. It, it a lot of that also from the people I've known have been, uh, they're more broadly attracted to men. I but yeah, they I could see that to specific women. I could see that. I could I could definitely see that because like um. I will say, um, you know, and I'm, I feel free to speak about my niece because my, my niece listens to the podcast. She knows that yeah. I discuss her, but she was always attracted to females, always. And then randomly, she met this guy. 
and they just clicked. So it's not like she is not broadly attracted to men. If her and this guy didn't work out, that's not what she's attracted to. She's attracted to females. But it was this select guy, you know, and, and she's head over heels in love with him. And it's a beautiful thing. And I really hope that long term it works because I love both of them. Um, but if she'd ended up with a woman, I would have accepted her just as much. And yeah. that woman would have also been is as welcome in my home as the boyfriend. Um, but it took a long time to get there because that wasn't, you know, like I said, it, um, the South is I think the South can be a little harsher in my opinion. A lot harsher. Okay, yeah. So, see, I'm, I'm straight. So, I'm talking from just what I'm seeing. I'm not living it. But let's kind of, I, I could go on and on, obviously, because this is a subject that I am extremely passionate about. And, um, and I've, already, I've already told um, Charlotte today that if I mess up at all, to please correct me. Because here's the deal. There are times we can say things and we think that we're saying things appropriately and we're really not. We are really jacking that shit up. So if I say something wrong today and you correct me, I will not be offended. Instead, I will use it as a learning tool. Okay. Um, because, um, and I'll bring this up and I know we talked about it earlier. My nephew, in my podcast recently, I referred to him as having autism. And he yeah. reached out to me and he said, please refer to me as being autistic. Because... Um, it's not that I have it. It's that this is how my brain works. And so sometimes to unpack that, it takes a lot of mental willpower for us to really kind of, okay, well, what's the difference here than here? But if we take the time out of respect for people, I think it's, it, I think it's such a valued thing. Yes. Especially in a community of people, whether it be people that are autistic or have any type of different abilities than us um, or people that are in the LGBTQIA community. I think it's so important that we we try to honor the terms that are appropriate to them um, out of respect. And if we mess up and I have messed up, bless Jesus, I have messed up. um, I try to correct myself because I'd rather embarrass myself for a minute to let that person know I oh my god I did not mean that yeah you know um I didn't mean that in that moment and I don't want to make it more awkward for them but you know I had a situation one time with a friend I had met at Walmart that um they were in the process of chemically changing their body they had um they were born female and they were now they were male and they were they had just been put on tea um, which is testosterone for those that don't know it. And so they were so proud of like, he had a beard and he had, you know, like his voice was getting deeper and he was so excited. And um, I accidentally one time, and it's because it's a natural thing to be like, Hey girl, Hey. And then I was like, Oh my God. Oh my gosh. And so I immediately said, I am so sorry that I just did that. And in that moment, it was probably awkward for him. And it was awkward for me, but I felt like I needed to show that I did not mean to do that. And I 100% respect who you are. Like you are a man and I respect that. Um, So when you were a child, what um, did you know that you were in the wrong body looking back now? Or did you more, was it a sexuality thing first for you or, or what? And I don't even know your, I don't even know what your sexuality is. Here I am acting like I know it. Like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> so what, what kind of age and what, what did you notice in your life? So, um, the, the, the time when I was really started noticing it was around the time I was 12. Okay. So around the hormones raging in kind of time. Um, well, 
Interestingly enough, uh, I went through puberty late. Really? Did you? Well, and you know, some kids do. So. So, um, I was really about 15 when puberty really hit. Okay. Okay. So, and I mean, for those of you that have not figured it out yet, Charlotte was actually born male. Yes. But is a female. Um, so, so you're about 12 when you start noticing some things. What do you, what are kind of your first, um, things that you notice? Uh, really the first thing that stood out to me was when you get to like middle school. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's this whole process of using, uh, Really using communal locker rooms. Yes. And you got to change clothes in front of everybody. Yes. And middle school is when some things start changing. I remember, I remember some things in boys' gym shorts. I mean, not to be gross, but I remember being like, oh my God, what, what, what the frick? Look at that thing. <laughs> Put it away. <laughs> you know? I, uh, I was very uncomfortable around the guys in the locker room. Really? So did you, you just felt like you were different? Yes. And you didn't want to be looked at, I'm assuming. Like, don't look at me. I mean, yep. I didn't want to be looked at either, but my reasoning was because homegirl was chunky. I was like chunky and I was like, look at all these people with their perfect bodies, you know, and I'm like over here feeling like chunky. Like I wanted to have a perfect body. I mean, I think we all do, but yeah. Um, now at that time, were you attracted to females or males or uh, not? Or just like, kind of like, eh, whatever. Like I'm just good. At that time, I didn't really have an attraction one way or the other. I wasn't okay. really attracted to anyone. Okay. Did that change as you were getting closer to 15? Uh, yes. Okay. It did. Um, and during that time, I was really interested in these two women, one of which mm -hmm. I ended up working with a little bit later when I was 16. Oh, wow. Uh -huh. And um, the other one was somebody that, I met when I was a kid. Okay. Um, her mom worked with my mom. Okay, okay. And uh, we had been in and out of same classes over the years. So you suddenly have the hots for two different ladies? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just, you know, be honest there. Yes. Did you pursue relationships with them when you were a teenager? Um, I definitely pursued with one. Mm -hmm. uh, the other was... What? Uh, about four months older than my brother. Oh, okay, okay. So, so a little when, age so, difference there. So when I was sixteen, she was twenty-two. Yeah, and that um, that doesn't work out. Yeah, I could see where it might would put a damper on some things, just possibly even more so nowadays. I mean, like yeah, at the yeah. time, at the time, I thought she was nineteen, and she thought I was eighteen. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. So it was one of those like. And that's not, I mean, you know, 19, 18, that's not, I mean, that's when Sean was 18. I was 19 when we got married. Not yeah. a big deal. But 16 and 22 is, is more of a, that's a larger deal. I can see that. So, yeah, yeah, it's like two or three years during that time frame was, is a lot. Yeah. So, um, did you end up in any type of long-term relationship with the other one or just kind of like a short? No, she uh, didn't feel that way about me. Oh, that sucks. It is what it is. I get it, though. I mean, you know, yeah. I've only been with one person, so I'm not really good to talk to about uh, 
dating different people or being, you know, because me and Sean were basically just, I mean, I had a little boyfriend when I was like 13, you know, but when I was, you know, Sean and I started dating young and we ended up getting married. So there's not like a lot of experience, obviously yeah. with, you know, with any of it. So we're kind of, I guess we're very naive. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so when you graduated by that time, what did you, what would you do with your life when you graduated? I'm assuming you graduated because you have a job now that's pretty, I mean, pretty impressive in my opinion. You're, are you a software developer? Yes, I'm a software yeah. developer. So, um, Miss Charlie here is pretty smart. So, because <laughs> I, I think you have to be fairly intelligent to do that kind of work. Yeah. I mean, um, your brain's got to work a certain way. I ended up uh, going to college at NC State. Okay. Um, as opposed to taking an offer that I had, which was to go and work at Cisco. Oh, wow. Um, while I was in high school, yeah. uh, I went through a process with Cisco that, mm-hmm. I don't know what they call it now, but then they called it Net Academy. Okay. And it was training people to be network engineers. Wow. Do you feel, so you ended up going to college. Do you feel you took the right path? Or do you ever wonder, like, what if I'd done this instead? At times I wish I, or at times I wish I would like to have seen what happened. Yeah. But, uh, it's, uh. It definitely caused me some frustration and heartache. Yeah, I could see that. At NC State, did you live on campus? Or did you still stay at home? I stayed at home and commuted. Did you? Okay. So, how like, were you guys in Wake County then? It wasn't a long commute? In Zebulon. Oh, in Zebulon. Okay, not bad. Not bad. But you uh, didn't have, like, the full college, like, dorm, like, all that? No, I, I couldn't have done that. Okay. And the reason you couldn't were, do you just feel like, were you shy or were you struggling with things? Um, I really would not have done well enough to share a dorm room with someone. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, the only person I'd ever really shared anything with at that point in my life was my brother. Wow. Wow. And we shared a room when I was real little. And uh-huh. I think I was six or seven when I got my own room. Wow. And you've been in your, I was like 18 when I got my own room. And uh, I lived with my dad and I lived in my own room for six months. Well, I, I was 19 when I got my own room. And uh, then I got married to Sean six months later. So, yeah. So that didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't pan out real well so I was talking to a friend yesterday she said her one goal in life was to sleep in a separate bed than her husband (laughs) just because she doesn't like anybody touching her at night she doesn't Ah. want anybody touching her so and it's funny because I um I don't mind cuddling up to Sean but then for sleep no like let me be over here I want to be on my own space surrounded by my pillows like a pretty pretty princess but um if my dog wants to be up against me, heck yes. And my kids, like for some reason, and they don't sleep in the bed with me, but if they did, or like if I went to their bed and like, I would want to hold them all night long. It's something with my kids and my animals. A cat too, I'd be fine with a cat curled up with me. But Sean, back away, brother. If we've had consummation time, love you. I will I will snuggle up against you for like a second and then I'm good. I'm not going to sleep on you. And it's gotten worse because as I've gotten older, I'm starting to sweat at night. Oh, my God. It's horrible. And, like, I'll wake up and I'm like, why am I soaking wet? You know, so yeah. that's not, like, I don't want to be putting off that kind of heat and be up against somebody getting their heat, too. I need to be in my own little spot. And trust me, 
if I'm sweating next to you in the bed, you don't want none of that. You do not want it. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's gross. So, um, so um, your mom, I just kind of want to backtrack a little bit. Did your mom uh, remarry or anything? Yes, um, when I was 13. Okay. She got remarried to my stepdad. Okay, is she still with your stepdad? Yes. Oh, wow. They're still together. And do, did you, how was that relationship for you when a stepdad came into the picture? Easy or hard? Um, I know when my mom tried to get remarried, it was not pretty. It was a lot more awkward. Yeah. Because he didn't really know how to try to be a dad. And really? I didn't know how to have a dad. and it's Like male authority, I, str- I have to admit, I struggle with male authority. Yeah. And it could be too just, just a, a harsher voice or a more commanding presence or voice coming at me. I kind of really struggle with that. Um yeah, he, he was also much more um, uncertain in his in his voice. voice really, he did said things. Uh, my mom was the one who she like, was. She 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 laid it down and said she laid it down, happen. y'all. She did that Southern Mama thing. Yes, yes, I get it. Uh, since I am a Southern Mama, I understand. My unmedicated Mama side was she was intense. I would take a flip flop off and beat you with it. I'm going to take my flip-flop off and whoop you. I know, I know. Those poor children. Those poor children. Actually, I did. I never beat any of them, but I'd be like, I'm going to come at you. I'm going to come at the bottom of your honey. But I, now... I, I, I hit Jennifer with my slipper like a week ago. No, you didn't. You hit your roommate with a slipper. She was did being she piss a you real off? jerk. You were a jerk, Jennifer. It's not okay. Jennifer's going to listen to this, listen to this and be like, yep. She did. She threw a slipper at me. So I've thrown several things at her. But <laughs> really? But it's like... Um, Is it kind of in a kidding way? Yeah, it's not in It's not in a way to hurt somebody. It's just... Yeah. Why did you do this? Like, I've, I've, I've frisbeed coasters at her. Oh, yeah, that's um, fun. Through, like, balls of paper. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think once or twice I've actually hit her with the water bottle oh. that we have to keep the cats from doing something crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's great. I love it. I can't see you um, just knowing you from our trip and just knowing you on Facebook and that kind of thing. I can't see you ever doing something to harm someone. It would be hard for me to see it would that. It really hard for me to do. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see that as your personality type at all. Um, so... Did your stepdad, did he have any other kids? I'm assuming he didn't. He did not. Okay. And then they did not continue to have children. So you, cause uh, you're my, the baby. My mom, my mom, could, my mom had her tubes tied. Okay. Before, shortly after I was born. Yeah. And that was like so popular then. Like you have that second kid, bam, out the door, get them tubes tied. I don't want to mess with this anymore. I'm good. Yeah. Whereas now, like in this she, time, she we don't. She wanted a house full of kids. Really? But, uh. Stuff with my dad not working out and things being shaky even when I was born. She knew better. She 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 knew it wasn't going to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. And so she was, what? She was my age, I think, when she met my stepdad. Okay, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. In your 30s is a good time to, you can have a new fresh start. I know people that. Lord, I know people that had fresh start in their 50s and 60s. So, yeah. Um, so, you ended up going to NC State. Yep. And did you go to NC? What exactly did you go? What's your degree in? 
Computer science. Computer science. Okay. And then you graduate from NC State. Yep. And are you still living at home when you graduate? Do you choose to live at home for a while? So during my time, my last two years in school, I spent a lot of time at my brother's place, which was close to NC State. Okay. And uh, there was also times I was obviously staying with my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But... uh, Maybe a year before I graduated. Uh-huh. Um, my mom and my stepdad moved in with his mother. Okay. Because she couldn't take care of herself anymore. Okay. So she needed a caregiver. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, after I graduated, I got a job, a startup. Okay. So I drove from Zebulon to RTP. Oh, wow. Uh, and I was there... For about three months, and right as the time I got laid off from that, oh my goodness, the uh, my mom moved back to the house. Okay, because she couldn't; she she needed to be back in her place. Well, I think it's hard for two women to live together. Sometimes, I um, mean, now obviously you're in a situation where you roommate with one other woman, or two, or three. Uh, there are three other women. Okay, so that's that's a lot of estrogen in that it's, ocean. Okay. It's, <laughs> It's Jennifer, her daughter, and uh, I'm blinking on. He it. does know. Uh, no, she does. See, look, I jacked up. This is this is y'all. This is what I'm talking about. When you make a mistake, you fix it. I am so sorry, Miss Charlotte, that I did that. <laughs> uh, Victoria, who's uh, also uh, engaged to <gasps> Joe, who oh. we live with. Okay, so Joe is there, and Victoria is Victoria. That's a preschool teacher, right? Yes. So I'm sure that was interesting during COVID too. <laughs> yeah, having to work, no choice, with all the little masked babies that really don't wear masks well. Interestingly enough, a lot of hers were really good about it. Wow! Wow! I'm impressed. The parents weren't. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah, kids are, I think, a lot more resilient than us parents. Sometimes they can handle a lot more. Then uh, I think us parents or us adults, sometimes we can get very stuck in our notions. Yeah. It, it, realistically, once they, once children can uh, process full sentences and mm-hmm. respond decently well, they can, they can usually uh, do a great job with yeah. just about anything. Yeah. It's interesting. I've definitely seen that too with like me working with like kids in church and stuff like that. So now when you, um, you you are you have the startup job. You get laid off from there, right? Yeah. Okay, and this is when you end up getting a job in Wilmington? Uh, no. Um, I was actually laid off from that when uh-huh. I was right out of school. Okay. So, um, so that was, what, 2008? Okay. Yeah. And uh, I ended up working with my best friend's are my brother's best friend. Okay. Uh, painting apartments. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't like manual labor. <laughs> I'm terrible. I do like an office job. The painting was one of the jobs that I did that uh, made me feel the best when I got home. Really? Mm-hmm. Did it, Do you think it was because you felt like you completed a task? Or what do you think? I had concrete examples of things I completed. Wow. That is very and I interesting. Myself. Yeah, so it was satisfying. Like when you got home, you were like, "Wow, I put in a day's work, and I feel good about myself." Yep, that's very interesting. 
Very, very interesting. Um, in the, I mean, I've had office jobs uh, basically for tw- almost 21 years uh, working for a bank. And there are different jobs that require different from your mind. And there are some jobs that you don't see the fruit of your labors um, immediately. And then there's some that you're so tired and you can't even remember what you did. And if you did anything that made a difference at all the whole day. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've had my jobs have been more mentally exhausting. And then more lately, uh, ADHD has kind of re- wrecked havoc on on me and doing my job appropriately. So trying to, I have to really focus. I have to really zone in to complete the job I have now. And it's, you know, I, I love my job. I enjoy my job. I love the people I work with. But my job is not mentally stimulating, honestly. And um, I'm very much a people person. Uh, and I don't get to communicate a lot with people. So I think those things are challenges for me that I have to work to overcome. Yeah. So I have found that for me, if I have like background noise playing or like podcasts like this, like on Mondays, this is what I do is I re-listen to myself talk to somebody <laughs> Okay. You know, that's what I do on Mondays. And and I work better when I'm listening to something. But it really has to pique my interest for me to actually get into it. Um, so you're, you did the painting. After the painting, what did you, how long did that last? Like, um, So that went from like April until September. Okay. In September, I got a job working with the state. Oh, the state of North Carolina. Yes. How was that, having a state job? Good, bad, ugly, all of it? Mm, Some ugly, some good. Yeah. A lot of just droning on. Really? I I was working on a system that was written 10 years before I was born. Don't they call those archaic? Is that what they call those in your Uh, world? Do they say archaic? Um. Archaic could be a word for it, but most people just refer to them as legacy systems. Okay, okay. They're systems that are not supposed to be any any longer developed or supported. But they still use them. Because the state uses everything. Yeah, and probably it's a money issue, I'm sure. The system that I was working on then, so in 2008, Uh finally got replaced in 2014. Wow. And that was probably like an act of God to get it replaced. It took a decade of them trying to replace it. Wow. Were you still there at that time or no? Had you moved on? Uh, no, I had moved on. Okay. I, I stopped working for the state and started working for NC State. Wow. How funny is that? So you ended up working for who you went to college with. Uh, yes. Wow. I ended up working there for two and a half years after, okay. after I left working for... Uh, the state for about two years. Was that more systems work with NC State? Uh, I actually wrote an online testing system. Did you really? That's nice. Uh, it was called NC Test. And that is something you could see that you accomplished. Yeah. When you got done with that, there it was. Out for everyone to use. So. And Pearson to buy. Yeah. Well, um, so, okay, after that, where at what point in your career did you end up in Wilmington? Um, after I was really a senior developer. Okay. So, like, from the time I worked at NC State, um, about two, about a year and a half after I worked for NC State's when I met Jenny. Oh, okay. So you met Jenny. Jennifer, sorry. Jennifer. I know she doesn't like Jenny, does she? 
Uh, Does she like Jenny? No, she's she's fine when I call oh. her Jenny. Okay, when you like, call her Jenny, but the world it may I, not be okay. It may not be okay for other people. But yeah, the people in the house. No one should refer to her as Jenny. <laughs> it is Jennifer. Okay, no, that's cool. I, I, some people are you know they prefer their close people to call them by a, a nickname, which I totally appreciate. Um, because my nickname's A, and like the closest people in my life call me A, and I. It's always very endearing to me. But if somebody randomly calls me A, I'm kind of like, how did you know? Who told you? You know, like, how, how did you know about this secret? Um, Just don't meet many Canadians. Don't what now? Hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then the bad thing, too, like, if, like, the whole hey you thing, if anybody that waves at me, I automatically am like, hi, hi, hi. <laughs> I just wave back and out. Like, I'm like, do I know them? I don't know. I don't know. With COVID, it's been a little worse, too, because of the mask. I was like, I don't know, do I know this person? I need to try to figure this out. They know it's me, but I have the hair, the glasses. There's a lot that stands out, even when I'm wearing a mask. So it's like, um, do they, I, I don't know. I know most people by their eyes. Do you really? So it's funny, too, with, uh, with Facebook, I call people by their full name. So, like, if your name is, I'll use a friend I have on Facebook that's also married to one of my cousins. Her name is Jennifer Sisk Lopez. So, I don't think of her as Jennifer Lopez. I do tease sometimes and call her J-Lo. But for the most part, I literally, anytime I think of her, it's Jennifer Sisk Lopez. It's like my mind works that way so that if your Facebook name is a name, that's what it is. So, like, we had a friend that we went to church with. Her name was Emily. It is Emily. It hasn't changed. But she changed her Facebook name. And so when she changed her Facebook name to Shannon, now it eventually got to where I can't even call her Emily anymore. I have to call her Shannon because that's what it says on Facebook. And so my mind is like, yeah. it is like. It's how your brain indexes the information. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes me feel like my brain index is that way. So that's what I'm going to start telling people so that I sound intelligent about why I do what I do. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know why I do this, but I see your whole name when I see you. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, so. Well, you see my middle name and my last name. I think I see Charlotte Johnson, but is there an L in there or something? Is there another no, letter? It's, uh, just my, Charlotte my Johnson? My first name is Daisy. Oh, I don't think I see that on there. Why don't I? Hold on, I'm looking you up right now. Yeah, I just see Charlotte Johnson when I look. That's the way I have it set up in the profile. Oh, you have it set up that way. But you act, so do you go by Daisy? Uh, less so. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure, like, in the professional field, like, if, you, if you're at work, do they call you Daisy or do they call you Charlotte? They call me Charlotte. Okay. That, you know, definitely makes sense. So, um... I remember like as a kid wanting to change my name and then I thought it'd be too hard. I thought it'd just be too hard, but I have changed my name twice. Really? Okay. So we're definitely going to have to discuss that. Um, so I guess, I guess we kind of need to get to, um, some of the, the meat of our story here. Um, at what point did you realize like your, your body's not feeling like you're like, mm, this isn't right. Something's not right here. This is not what I feel like. So you, yeah. you'd felt that way in the locker room when you were in middle school. Mm -hmm. But what are what were some other um, indications that you personally had? So when I was thirteen, going on fourteen, mm -hmm. I grew my hair out. Okay. And I mean, it was it was about halfway down my back. Wow. Um, and uh, 
at that time, I spent a lot of time with my brother. Yeah. He was at work. And mm-hmm. Like, I just didn't want to be at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of his coworkers, um, who was new at the time. Yeah. Uh, saw me and asked my brother if I was his sister or his girlfriend. Oh, okay. And my brother obviously said, it's my brother. Which yeah. Is what he... Referred to you as? Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the time. Yeah. Um, and now, did you dress feminine in any way at that point? Or, I mean, you said you had not really gone through puberty yet. So your body really hasn't done a lot of changing at this time. No, it really hadn't. I was just wearing... And you've got long jeans, hair. Jeans and, jeans and a shirt and had long hair. Yeah. So the kid just didn't know. So he asked your brother this. Does your brother tell you about this at the time? Um, I get told about it a little bit later. Okay. But it's from uh, same day from one of the other coworkers okay. who I looked up to. Did it hurt your feelings or were you like, huh? Like what, what kind of um, happened with that? He went into it more along the lines of, if you keep your hair long like that, people are going to think you're gay. Oh, because back then, you would never want that to happen, right? <laughs> that, I mean, that's what that's what we were all pretty much. Yeah. Um, or, I, was, I mean, it could have been, it's okay if they think that, but you just need to know this is what's going to happen. I think that was more what he was trying to do. Yeah. But I was not attracted to men. Yeah. I uh, wasn't attracted to anyone at the time. Yeah. But the people I was interested in spending my time with were women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I kind of freaked out and went the other direction. Okay. So did that, then you went very masculine? Yes. So you I, like cut the hair? I shaved my head down to like a quarter of an inch. Wow. Wow. And that was when I actually started really spending more of my time playing football. Oh, oh, excuse me. I do a little burpee there. So you started playing football more. So you're trying to like get into more masculine things. Yeah. Um, trying to go more, trying to show the masculinity, um, as well as something about the process of putting on the equipment to play football made me feel safe. I could see that in a way that I didn't feel safe most of the rest of my time. Did you feel unsafe in your actual body, you feel like? Or you just felt unsafe in your surroundings, your environment? I felt, I felt unsafe in my environment. Okay, okay. Was there a reason for that? Or do you feel like maybe it was more of a mental health thing that made you feel that way? It was more of a mental health thing. Okay. And I can understand of, that. It was the beginnings of my depression and anxiety. And some of that probably yes. was related to my gender identity. But yeah. I, I was allowed ways to physically exert myself in uh-huh. a situation where there were clear protocols on how you interact with people. Yeah. And it, uh, I actually felt like I was part of a group. And that was probably Which is something helpful. I did not feel at all. Yeah. Outside yeah. of the little bit of sports I played. Okay. So, um... After that, what kind of, what what was the progression after this for you? Um, I went much more masculine until I was about 27. 
You went what now? I, I started presenting much more masculine and oh. a lot of things until I was 27. Okay, so until you were 27, you were like masculine, like balls to the wall, I'm going to be. Did you ever feel like that was false for you? Like something wasn't yeah, right? It was always felt like an act. Always. So to be masculine felt like a felt like an act. Wow. And I guess, you know, for me, being born in a female body and identifying as a female, I've never, like, I just felt like a girly girl, you know, like, if I can't do something, I know that sounds bad, and I know that's not very women-empowering talking, but I don't do well changing a tire or changing my own oil, and I, major kudos to all those women out there that do, but, like, I would be like, well, I'm a girly girl, it's just not something I do, And, and really, it was, I felt, I felt safe in that. Because I did identify and I was born female. So it was easy for me. Um, So you actually felt like you were putting on an act to do masculine things in a masculine body. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, It was almost entirely always an act. Wow. Wow. Did you ever like almost worry like I'm going to get caught? They're going to find out I'm really not this masculine. No. Not really? Um, I, I didn't talk a lot. Okay. And my communication skills were not great until after I was out of college. Okay. Um, so, being being silent and a large person. It wasn't. It, it was not something anybody ever considered. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I think I have to cough. I don't want to cough. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, everybody, that I made a coffee cough. I could have paused that, but I'm, like, not even that good with that stuff, so. Mm. Um, so, at 27, what what triggered you being like, uh-uh, this isn't right? Um, at 27, I was um, so kind of run down from doing all the stuff I've tried to do in my life. That, yeah. Uh, I was considering taking my own life again. Okay. So had you, I know we're kind of getting deep in here and I will put a listener discretion on this, but had you considered suicide in the past or attempted it in the past? Uh, by that time I'd attempted it twice. Okay. Well, I'm personally glad you failed. I'm glad that you were still here with us. Um, but I, you know, I've come to a deeper understanding. I remember not really understanding suicide growing up, but I just feel, um, I had a friend that did a message about it one day on Facebook and it was one of those things. She really didn't want accolades. She didn't want people commenting, but she just wanted to allow people in her headspace for just a second where she could say in the moment, you can't rationalize it. Uh, You just, in the moment, it felt like the only thing that was. Yeah. And like, I think things go downhill so fast. It's like suddenly it's just downhill, downhill, downhill. And you feel like this is the option. This is my only option. Um, So you did attempt it. Did anyone know about your previous attempts or were they more like um, things that happened that nobody else really knew about? Um, One of the attempts, I don't think really anybody ever really paid attention about. Um, I, uh, I was I spent that time with a friend. Okay. And I drank probably a gallon of vodka. Ah, ah. Uh, your liver was probably like. Help, help. Uh, I got into alcohol poisoning. I mean, yeah, I would imagine so. And uh, he had me drink a glass of milk. 
Did you throw up? I threw up a lot of liquor. Oh, I bet that jump and was god awful. That's the only time I've felt terrible after drinking in my entire life. Really? Can you handle a lot of alcohol typically? Uh, so I can't handle alcohol. Yeah. But my body metabolizes it really fast. Oh, okay. So like a nice stiff drink. Yes. Will get me toasted. Yeah. Yeah. And in about 30 minutes, I'm going to need another one. Okay. So I kind of have a, uh, because of my weight loss surgery, I can take just a few sips. I'm toasted with just a few sips. Life of the party for 20 minutes. Then I'm straight. But then here's the issue. I don't want any more. I don't want it. I don't want to finish it. I don't want anything to do with it because I'm immediately dehydrated. I need water and I need it now. And um, so I've never had a hangover or anything like that because I I don't continue drinking. I, I have on occasion gone back and got more and I was silly for a while, but it just, it doesn't, it's just not like, I don't love it. Yeah. I just don't love it. So. And um, I do like specific uh, alcohol. Yeah. But, I mean, I think I've drank alcohol once this year. It's not bad. Maybe two or three times yeah. last year. Yeah. It's it, not it's, bad considering there's so many that struggle with alcoholism. So. Yeah, that's one of the things my father struggled with. His oh, did he? Life. Yeah, it. I um actually was fortunate enough, and you know it's anonymous, um, so obviously I'm not going to say who I was with, but I went to a meeting, to an AA meeting recently, um, and it was so eye-opening, and it was good for me, especially I feel like with doing this podcast, it was just good for me to see what what, what is it like, like, because... I don't have that substance abuse problem or that addiction or that part of my brain that says you need this and can't turn it off. Um, and so witnessing people that go through that, I think it helps create understanding yeah. and more compassion. I think that's important um, for us to do instead of just looking at somebody and being like, well, they're a drunk, you know, like they don't know what they're doing, like, or just being harsh and judgmental. They've lost everything. Well, you don't understand have you taken the time to like really sit and think about what it's like for them? Like I, I, I don't have that problem, you know? So how am I, how is it okay for me to tell you how to live your life or how to judge you? Instead, I should have compassion and yeah. seek to help you and be proud of you. When you, are you two days clean? Well, hand clap for you because that is hard. It's not easy. So, yeah. So I'm, I think that's impressive um, that you're not, you don't struggle with alcohol considering that your father did. Yeah. Um, I feel like I probably could have easily yeah. in, my, in my 20s. But it just... I, I didn't... Feel, I never felt better yeah. drinking. Right? And, uh, like, when I was intoxicated, things felt fine. Yeah. But as soon as I started to come down from being intoxicated, everything was still there. Yeah. And the problems are still there. Yeah. Everything's still there. And I think that's part of the reason why my father had such a problem with alcohol is that he was trying to drink to numb it all and just completely get rid of it. Wow. And to offset that, he started doing cocaine. Well, shit. That's some stuff right there. He, I mean, he went in hot and heavy. A hell of a drug. He went in hot and heavy, didn't he, poor fella? Yeah, yeah. I could see where he um, tore his body up a little bit. And uh, the cocaine allowed him to do his job 
proficiently until he started getting DUIs. Oh, wow. And then his life just kind of went downhill. Um, it, once he started having all those barriers put in for yeah. stuff like that, he just stopped trying to fight it. He, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say he gave up, but he, he stopped trying. Do you mean he stopped trying to better himself? Mm. And he like, just was like, whatever, he I'll just trying to show up to work. He stopped oh. trying to just be a productive person. He's just like, I'm just going to sit here and do cocaine and drink. Well, by the end he couldn't afford cocaine anymore, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. What a, what a life he had for sure. That's it's, it's yeah, very he, tragic he, actually. He had some really bad anger and depression issues. So he had some, some inner demons stemming from his father. Because one of the last things he told his father is that he hated him and he never wanted to see him again. Wow. Do you think he grew up in an abusive home? Your dad? Uh, yeah, his dad was an alcoholic as well. Oh, man. Well, um, dude, that's insane. Like, I'm and, just like, uh, I think, I think one of my dad's siblings was an alcoholic. So you're very fortunate. Yeah, he had, um, he had four other brothers and two sisters. Wow. Yeah. And uh, one of the sisters, I think, was the only one who didn't abuse alcohol during her life. Wow. If she did, I didn't know about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's sad because, you know, he had his own, his demons that he yeah. was battling. And, yeah, you just don't know how, like, I guess the inner workings of his brain all kind of worked out. But, wow. So, um, where were we with the other stuff? I don't even know. Look, sometimes I get all sidetracked and then I take all these notes. And, like, I'm yeah. over here writing to the side and then I'm like, where? I, where do we want to go now? Um, so the after 27 thing, you, you're also, you're dealing with depression. We, we mentioned suicide yeah. earlier at this point. Did you, did you say you tried to attempt again at 27 or no? Uh, no, I was considering ending it again. You, you were considering it. So you didn't actually attempt it, but you started yeah, considering I, I didn't want to be alive. It's not so much I wanted to kill myself at that time. I just didn't want to be alive. You know, I've heard before some people that are very depressed say they didn't have the energy to kill themselves. That they were so depressed that they didn't even have it in them to commit the act. Even though, really, they did not want to be alive. And it's sad to hear that. And it makes you realize how heavy depression is. Yes. It's just a very heavy thing. Um, did you decide to seek help for depression? Um, I started being treated for depression at the age of 13. Oh, you, so you were a child when you began be treatment. Um, did you guys go therapy and medication or one versus the other? Uh, therapy and medication. Okay. So you therapy did Therapy on and off. Sometimes it helped. Sometimes it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a long-term therapist until I was 17 or 18. Okay. Before that, it was a couple months here or there. Okay. Do you still currently do therapy or no? Yes. Do you, I, I, I know everybody here gets tired of hearing me say it. I'm going to do therapy. I'm waiting for some things to clear up with my, I picked a really bad insurance plan this year. I picked a high deductible plan and then a month into the year had to go to the hospital and there's like 30,000 something dollars worth that wake med that's sitting there that, they didn't charge appropriately, so it all got denied. So now I'm owing everybody and their mama like six hundred, eight hundred, a thousand, ten thousand. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. not ten thousand, but my deductible for me personally is four thousand, and I still haven't hit it, even though there's a thirty thousand dollar bill sitting out there. 
And it's because they did it wrong. So there's got to be some things fixed. But once that's fixed, or even telehealth, heck, I'm going to write that down for myself right now. I think sometimes you can see telehealth for a much cheaper copay, even with the high deductible plan. I need to do therapy. And there's part of me that doesn't want to uncover. I, if you want, I can email you a resource. Yeah. Some people I know that's, uh, I think it's called Better Help. Okay. Um, that will connect people remotely. Okay, yeah. With uh, psychologists to help them yeah. work on issues including depression. I need to work on just some, just life. I just need to work on life. And I, it has affected uh, the way I grew up ended up having an impact on the way I raised my children. And some of the damage, I will say, has already been done. And um, and my children, I'm open and honest about it. And even in my relationship with Sean, there's things that if I had the appropriate therapies, I know that I would react differently to situations. But here's the, here's the big issue. I've been married for 21 years in a few weeks. All of a sudden, I'm going to go to therapy and, and there's going to be a shift in Adrian because I'm going to say, you know what? I shouldn't have been doing this all these years. I'm enabling. I'm being codependent. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I need to fix these things. And instead, um, one of my problems has been taking responsibility for things I should have never taken responsibility for. Um, I'm very much a people pleaser. I do not want others to suffer in any way, shape, or form, and I will do their work for them. Um, there's times that um, it's really been helpful for Sean. Uh, he he parents better, I say sometimes, because he's like, no, 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 no. They're capable. You don't need to do that. But there's even small things in our relationship that I know that if I got therapy and I applied the principles that I'm taught, which I think I need, uh, it will change the dynamic of our marriage. And we will have to work through Quite some of possibly. those things. Yeah, we'll have to work through some of those things. Um, yeah, I started seeking... Um help trying to figure out other parts of my mind yeah and that's when i really came back to something that i used to say when i was um like 14 or 15 uh-huh, uh-huh. back around the time where i was trying to be the masculine version yes was at that time i said i was a lesbian okay and a lesbian is a oh, female who likes who likes other females yes yes which and is not something you would commonly hear for someone that was born with man parts. Yeah. That you would just think, well, well, no, you're not a lesbian. It, you are heterosexual. Yeah. And that part never made real sense to me. And that's why, wow. why I came up with these things saying that I was a lesbian when I was a teenager. Uh-huh. And um, I came back and did more analysis of that in my, in my late 20s. Yeah. And realized that. Yeah, I was just never the guy. I was, it was that in I, reality, I, it was such an act that I'd been trying to do for so long. But yeah, at times I forgot that it was trying. I was still trying to do an act, and I was still exhausted from doing it. I cannot imagine how mentally straining that would be, and emotionally exhausting to to try to put an act on to try to be who you look like you're born to be. Yes, you know that. I mean, that's a lot. Um, so did a therapist kind of help unpack that for you or you unpack that yourself when you were kind of thinking through things? I unpacked it mostly myself. Okay. And then I need, then I sought help to 
try and process. Because it's a lot to process. It, yeah. That would be a lot to process. You know, I mean, I can't imagine if I was 27 years old and suddenly was like, you know what? All these years, this has not felt right. Like something's been off. And I think this is what it is. Like that, that's a lot. Yeah. And it was, it was a couple more years. Okay. Before I realized I should transition. Okay. So at what point did you talk to your family about this? This is a, I, I mean, I don't think realize people fully realize that when you are dealing with anything with gender and sexuality, having a conversation with your family is not easy. No, it's not. It's not. And, and people can say all day how they think they're going to react, but until they're presented with that situation, they don't know. And um, from what I've read and what I've seen, I think a lot of parents grieve when their child is not naturally what they were born and what the assumption was that they were going to be. Whether that be, you know, there's this assumption everybody's going to be born straight there, most there of the time. definitely grief with my mother. Yeah. So, um. How old were you when you first kind of began having that conversation with your mom? That, hey, I don't feel right in my body. Um, after I made the decision to transition. Okay, so you made the decision to transition. Was it closer to 30 or? Uh, I think I was about to turn 31. Okay, about to turn 31. Um, and making a decision to transition is huge because you're going to be put on hormones. Yes. And then a lot of times you will have surgeries to make everything work the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. The way that your body, you feel like it is intended to work. Yeah. Um, so was it hard to find doctors to support that or not really? Um, with my history of depression and having spent really four years unpacking it. Yeah. And by the end, I was like, yeah, no, this just needs to be done. This is what needs to happen. So um, can you explain to me, honestly, because I really don't know, where do you start with that process when you, like, what kind of doctor do you go to? Uh, so I went to, well, I got a referral from my psychologist. Okay. To talk to an endocrinologist. Oh, uh, I didn't even think about an endocrinologist would be your first step. And uh, I got stuff set up here. Yeah. And right after I got things set up mm -hmm. is when I got laid off. Oh, to, no. To where I was going, where oh. I ended up going to Wilmington. No. So you're laid off. You kind of need money for all this. Yes. Yeah. You kind of need more than just your normal amount of money because most of the time, a lot of these things, insurance does not cover. Yeah. So that would be a good swift kick in the pants to lose your job. Yeah. I was planning to start hormones in December. Okay. Off in November. Oh my gosh. That's like finding out Santa's not coming. And Santa's not coming. Like the Charlotte. middle of February I started the job in Wilmington. Oh my gosh. Um so and then I had to find a find a doctor down there. Okay. So you did find a doctor down there mm -hmm. that was gonna work with you. It took another six months. To start the process. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of psychological evaluations and things like that, too, before you start the process? Uh, there's some, depending on which way you do it. Some yeah. people can actually just do what is known as informed consent. Okay. And that's 
you find a doctor and go, well, this is what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Here's information from a mental health provider. Just go ahead and check my levels and let's get started. Let's get started. Is the medication, do they typically start you on like estrogen or something like that? or, or Estrogen and a testosterone blocker. A testosterone blocker. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, I had a little bit too much testosterone when I had, um, I had PCOS. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit too much. So, like, with that, you can have, like, excess body hair, things like that. You can actually have darkening around your neck yeah. and your armpits, things like that. Um, I didn't have the darkening, but I did have... After I had them babies, I was like, where's this hair coming from? Like, oh, my God, this is not cool. But it was where I had too much testosterone. Um, And then when I had weight loss surgery, it kind of reversed some things hormonally. With the weight coming off, it just kind of worked itself out where I did not have to be medicated. But I've I've had friends that had to be medicated. Um, So you start estrogen and a testosterone blocker. What do you feel like when you start those things? Like, is that... Do you feel sick? Do you get nauseated? Do you feel moody? Like, I'm going to rip somebody's head off for a piece of chocolate cake. I mean, do you ever feel that way or not really? Um, I felt that way a few times. Okay. But uh, to begin with, it was a lot of feeling exhausted. Really? Wow. You're drastically changing your body chemistry. I mean, drastically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, during that, uh, there was a lot of exhaustion. Yeah. And then there were definitely some mood swings, but a lot of that was the fact that puberty hit me late and kind of was drawn out. Yeah, yeah. And I basically went through puberty again in less than two years. Shoot. That does not sound fun. Did you have a roommate at the time? Who did you have to go through puberty with? (laughs) This Uh, is bad. I I was living by myself. Oh, well, that's probably a good thing because you might have been... Hard to live with. I'm just saying that because I have children and I know what puberty's like and it's not pretty. And I was, I mean, I experienced puberty myself, obviously. So to go through it two times and then to go through it all over again as an adult, yeah. I would think would be a lot. There, there was a, uh, like a joke most of yeah. uh, something like, uh, you, you say, well, what, what would you say to your, um, your teenage self. Yeah. That would just really shock you. And I said, puberty a second time? Right. Yeah, that would be, oh, gosh. That would be like really a lot to deal with. Um, did you notice things like, um, I, I've seen pictures of you previously. You had a mustache. I'm assuming you could grow a beard with the best of them if you had a mustache, but not everybody can grow a beard. Uh, yeah, I, I, I I pretty much had my head shaved really short and had, mm-hmm. uh, when I was 20, between 25 and 27, I had a full beard. Oh, wow. Okay. So when you start taking testosterone blockers and you start taking estrogen, do does some of the body hair, does it go away? Or my understanding of body hair is that really once it's there, you're kind of stuck with it? Yes. Okay. So I'm assuming you probably did something like electrolysis or something like that. Uh, Or laser. I I had laser hair removal. Okay. Um, It's really laser hair reduction because it's it's slowly killing the follicle. Yeah. And when if it works the way it's supposed to entirely, you end up with like effectively like a peach fuzz. Oh, that's not bad. I have a peach fuzz. Yeah. I have a peach fuzz. I mean, I don't know if it's from my testosterone, but I don't know. Most women do. 
Yeah, I kind of like try to get it with a little buzzers. I'm like, oh, and then it'll come off and it literally looks like peach fuzz. It just looks like soft fuzz, yes. but I don't love it. I'm always like, Ugh, oh, I got to get this off my face, you know, just because I don't prefer to have like yeah. any facial hair. I, I plucked a black beard hair the other day and I was like, no, not a black beard hair. No, I must get rid of this. So I, I totally get that you probably were like, get rid of this facial hair. Like, I don't want it. Uh, my face, my chest, and my back. Good God. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of time. How many times do you think you've been for laser hair removal? Like, over 100? No. Oh. Mm, maybe 20, 25 times. That's not bad. Now, what about, would, do you have very hairy arms or no? Because you don't seem hairy. Like, looking at you now, like, you uh, look hairless. No, uh, my arms and legs were never particularly hairy. Okay. And even like your chest looks very, I mean, not to be staring at your chest, but it looks very smooth. Like your skin looks very smooth. Um, my chest and back were a lot hairier than my arms and legs. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess you were, you, I mean that they've really done a really good job. I think helping you with your transition then. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure too, that helps with confidence because as you're transitioning, I'm assuming there's probably a lot of self-esteem and confidence issues as you're making that transition because you want the world to view you as you view yourself, as you are, as your true identity as a woman. And so as you're transitioning, I'm, I'm sure that that's hard. I actually have hard. problems with my... Uh... What's the word you used? Uh, did about, I use them? About my self-esteem. Oh, yes. Stuff like that. Like so confidence, like self-esteem. Confidence, self-esteem was a problem for me starting really at the age of 12. So early on. Early on. Did it get worse when you started the transition? Or actually, were you like, oh, my God, I'm about to be me? Um, I actually think since then it's gotten better. Okay. That's good. I think that's really good, honestly. Um, so, estrogen and tea, well, stopping tea, like yeah. stopping the testosterone. Um, did you choose to have, I mean, I don't know if you're okay with me asking this, did you choose to have any surgeries? I have or, not yet had surgery. Okay. But is that something you would like to do so that you feel like you're 100% fully, uh, or you're yes, not sure? Is something that I would like to do. Um it's something that I've been considering on and off since I started taking the, the hormones. Yeah. Because. Um, it's a big decision, I think. Yeah. It's, and it's. It was never a big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I've been being almost entirely attracted to women. I've been attracted to a few men in my yeah, life. Yeah. Yeah but almost entirely attracted to women, it never really caused a problem. Yes. Well, and I, I mean, obviously I can see that as a woman that most people are. And if, and I think it's if you're comfortable with that part of your body. If you're like, I'm okay, we can use this for what it was originally meant for. We'll just use it. I mean, it's fine. Like, we got this. You know, I think it depends on what you're comfortable with. Because I know different people are comfortable with different things sexually and you know that's completely yeah. up to them obviously between you and your partner um do you ever 
wish that you could have started this as a teenager? Um, had the, had the stuff existed and been there, I really wish I would have done it at like 13. Yeah, I can definitely. The knowledge wasn't really there. Well, the support wasn't really there for it. The understanding, in fact, I feel like we're just now getting to that. I, I think we're just now at the cusp of it. Because, um, like I said, I didn't understand, and um, I, I didn't get it until I took the time. Um, what really made a difference for me, I think you pronounce her name Kai, um, and I follow her mom, and her, her mom is Kimberly Shapley. I'm assuming that's how you say her name. I probably am jacking it up, but I, when I was doing, uh, when my niece came out as, at that time, a lesbian, I w- w- just... I wanted to know in my, you know, I, I just wanted to know, can you be gay and be a Christian? Because my faith mattered to me a lot. Yeah. And and I was willing that no matter what I uncovered, that I was going to be okay with it. I'm going to be cool with this. It's going to be okay. Well, I went really balls to the wall. I dug deep and I am now, I personally believe that you can be gay and be a Christian, that there's not an issue. I believe you can be transgender and be a Christian. I don't think, I don't, I think, you know, a lot of people are like, well, God doesn't make mistakes. Well, okay. Well, in that same sense, I'm, I have a special needs child. There's things she can't do. There's things she'll never be able to do. Now, do I look at her as having a disability or do I look at her as being a gift to us? Instead, now I choose to look at it as she has a gift. Um, so sometimes people will be like, well, God doesn't make mistakes. That doesn't happen. Well, you know what? There's actually been a lot of scientific research that proves otherwise. Um, there are still people born that are both sexes. That does still happen. You just don't hear about it. There are, um, I've, I've read about where people actually, their DNA, that if you test their DNA, that they're really a man. And they look like a woman and they have all the woman body parts, but their DNA says a different story. So it's very interesting. And I don't think, I, I think a lot of times um, faith and, and what we were taught and, and I, I do believe there were some misinterpretations of things. That's my personal belief. I'm not going to get out there and fight with anybody. There was, there was definitely some misinterpretations. There were, right? It, has, it mostly has to do with translations and who yes. was doing those translations. Yes. And I mean, no offense, but basically a bunch of old men wrote the Bible. You know, and I know that it's supposed to be the infallible word of God. It's supposed to be inspired by God, all that stuff. But there are books that were never allowed to be in the Bible. Who voted on that? Let's look at our politics system today. Was it similar to that? Because I'm not, I'm not okay with thinking these guys are ruling my life. So I use uh, my my faith, my journey with Jesus. I like Jesus still. He's still my homeboy. Um, I I follow my own path, kind of. Like, you know, I like Jesus. He's cool. That's who I draw my comfort from. That's I pray to God. Um, but do I believe every single thing anymore? No, I don't. And that's caused some contention in my family units, in my friend units, just because of me being willing to to say, hey, I don't really agree with this. Um, but I don't even know where I was going with all that. But oh, my friend, Kimberly yeah. and Kai. I know I digress like a thousand times. Kimberly was evangelical. Like me. I mean, okay. grew up like in the church, like balls to the wall Christian. Homosexuality is, we, we are told it is a sin. We are told, I mean, definitely don't let your child identify as anything but the sex they were born with. Don't let, you know, a, a lot of people are okay with their child playing with not gender specific toys, but, you know, it, it was, it was, yeah. 
you know, it just depends. But some people are like, no, boys play with this, girls play with this, that kind of thing. So she had um, some older children and then she had some younger children. And these younger children, one of them, when they were born, was literally like two years old, wanting to run around in dresses, wanting to wear a bathing suit, wanting to do all the things. And the mom, Kimberly, was like, I don't like... I don't really kind of understand this. Um, and I think she kind of blogged about it some in the beginning. And she said now, like, she's kind of, in, it hurts her to read that. But that was where she was at that time, like, not knowing. Yeah. But her child wanted to identify as a female. And finally, eventually, like, the child got to the point that they were like, I want to die and go be with Jesus because I don't want to be a boy. I hate this. Now, that is not common for a three- or four-year-old that's never been taught anything different. So, like, if that child's environment has only been, like, this little Jesus-loving home, and they've not been taught anything different, they've not seen anything different, um, but their body, they're like, this isn't right. Like, I don't, this is not right. The mom didn't know what to do. I mean, she was in turmoil. Like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm a, you know, I don't, I don't know. And one of her friends at one point asked her, um, if you were on a desert island, would you let, at this time, your son dress as a little girl? And she said, yes. And she said, but God is there on that desert island and God sees everything. But in society, you won't allow your child to dress as a girl? And she was like, oh. So it's, it, it, it was a more of a society thing. So she eventually was like, you know what? I'm going to let her embrace who she is. She is now like an act. She's been in, she's, she's an advocate. She's, um, she has her own social media following. Um, she is adorable. She's been an actress. She was one of the first uh, transgender actresses in the Babysitter's Club. She's like on, I think, episode three of that on Netflix. Um, she is an adorable child. And because I follow her on Facebook, she is all that sass and spunk and spirit of a little girl. But she was not like... There were no impressions made on her that would have that would have created that. The mom fought it. But the child was like, no, this is not who I am, and I'd rather die. And when you hear your three-year-old, your four-year-old say, I don't, I'm not in the right body, I want to die, that made me think differently. Because I was like, okay, that's not, like there were no outside things affecting that child. You know, a lot of people think, I've heard so many times the argument, well, they were probably sexually traumatized. A lot of people have been sexually traumatized. A lot. I don't think that's the reason. Well, they had a bad relationship with their daddy. No, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. Here's the deal. If you, if you struggle understanding, well, guess what? You were born straight. You're, I mean, you were born in the right body, and you, you don't understand it because you don't experience it. Let yourself get in a relationship with somebody, a real relationship where you love someone, and you will start thinking different. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Sometimes I believe that we are so dogmatic in our faith that we can't see past our faith to love fully the way we should. And that should not be the case. I don't agree with that at all. Um, I, I very much struggle. So I'm, uh, I mean, I have to say like looking at your before and after picture, you've really come a long way. Like you really have. Um, If I saw you in public, I would think, well, that's female. You know, and that's what you want. That's what you want because that's who you are. Um, So were your therapists also, did you find they were supportive or did you ever have to like kick a therapist to the side? Um, All of my therapists 
um, upon meeting and talking with me have been like, yeah, that's, that's right. Really? And so that's so good to be affirmed. Yeah. In that way. Um, okay, so earlier we mentioned your conversation with your mom. Yes. Um, what was that like when you had a conversation with your mom? Uh, I was pretty anxious at the time. I expected her to sort of blow up. Okay. Um, be angry. Mm-hmm. And at the time, she she initially was supportive. Yeah. But when she started going through the grieving process. Like when it hit her? When the changes actually started to happen. Okay. Is when she broke down and when she had a lot of problems with me. Really? Um. Do you, what about your brother? Did you also have a conversation with your brother? Um, yeah, I told my brother, but it was more, um, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And was your brother? And my brother was surprised. Really? But, uh, the more he thought about it, the more he, some of it made sense to him. Okay. Yeah. Like, so. When I was a when I was a small child, mm-hmm. uh, if you go back and look at photos of me starting from like the age of three, yeah, um, there were some really true, genuine smiles in some photos when I was that young. Really, and above the age of four, between the ages of four and twelve, yeah, the only times you can see in that true, genuine smile on me in pictures mm-hmm. are with my cousins. Really. The, my three female cousins and they used to dress me up and do my makeup and you felt happy yes wow that really like says a lot honestly it makes you makes you think now your cousins are you still in communication with them uh not a whole lot yeah um part of that had to do with issues with my grandmother obviously yeah we share grandmother because their their dad is my dad's older brother okay okay yeah um so there were some issues and i lost more contact with that part of my family wow um are you talking about the issues from you making the transition no or other issues completely separate um i had some real problems me and my brother both did when i was 16 or 17 okay yeah um my grandmother my dad's mom Mm -hmm. blamed our mother and me and my brother for our dad's problems oh my lord oh my gosh and said some stuff about our mom that i have never forgiven her about yeah yeah um i've talked to her three times since then and one of those times was at my dad's funeral whoa so you just really don't have a relationship with her now not really yeah sometimes family relationships have to be cut off for our own benefit. And it's sad when that has to happen. But sometimes it does. It's just the way it is. Um, your stepdad, was he, how did he act about transitioning? He just was more indifferent. He was like, yeah. if that's what you feel like you got to do. Oh, well, I mean, I guess that's not the worst reaction ever. So when your mom began going through that grieving process, 
Um, That's when it started bothering me. It started bothering your stepdad. Okay. Because he was trying to console my mother. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that directly affected you. Did she contact you a lot trying to talk to you about it? Did she try to get you to change so your mind? She, she actually talked to me a lot, but not about it. She did not talk to me about it at all. She just would talk to you in general about life? Mm-hmm. But not about the big... Yeah. This is the big thing. This is what is going on. This yeah, is huge. She, we, would, we would pretty much never talk about it. Wow. Wow. Um, Other things in my life we talked about. Yeah. How work was going. That kind of thing. What my friends were up to. Wow. I used to talk to her like 15, 20 minutes a day. Do you talk to your mom anymore? No. Not at all? I have not spoken with my mother since my grandfather's funeral. Okay, when did your grandpa die? Like, how old were you? Uh, January of last year. Okay. And before that, the last time I talked to her was a few months before I met you. No way. And was that because of the transition and the body changes? Um, I think a lot of a lot of what was going on was with that. Yeah. And during that time, I was also having a bit of a breakdown with my problems with work. Yeah, yeah. And um, I basically said goodbye to people and had to plan to go home and kill myself. Oh, no. And my co-worker, uh, yes. my boss at uh-huh. the time, uh, knew the state I was in and sent the police to my house. Oh, I would do that to and somebody. That there. sounds bad, but I would be like, we need a welfare check. And and they got to my house um, less than an hour after I got home. <gasps> so did they, and, had you already... And, and at that time, I had... I had started the preparations for what I was going to do. You had everything ready. Um, I was just doing some final cleanup of my house because I wasn't going to leave a filthy house. For wow. To clean up. Wow. Yeah, I could see myself wanting to make sure my house was clean if I was about to pass away. Like, I've, I've thought about that. Like, God, if I just get... I, I, I was washing dishes when the police came. Wow. And the stuff was set up in my bathroom. Did they look in your bathroom? Did they see it? No. But as soon as I, as soon as they knocked on my door and said who they were, I just broke down. You just broke down and just said, because did you know, were you like somebody called and told? Oh yeah, I immediately knew. And at the time I was a little angry. Yeah, no, I can understand that. I I said some stuff I don't, I'm not proud of. Yeah. Yeah. You were in a very low spot though. Yeah. You were in a very low spot. And like I said, I don't think people understand what it's like. To feel, I don't know if you felt broken, empty, you know, all those things, no feeling anymore, none. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. Fe- feeling nothing felt better at the time. Feeling nothing felt better. God, that that's heartbreaking, honestly. It really is. Um, so, did you end up being admitted or anything? Yeah, I was hospitalized for... Two weeks. Well, your house was clean. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kind of um, kidding about that. I was hospitalized for about two weeks in South Carolina. Did you feel like it was helpful? Or looking back on that, do you see a lot of room for improvement in our mental health um, services that we offer? 
There's a lot of room for improvement in mental health services. That's what I've heard. I, I've been I've been committed twice. Yeah, my niece was in there uh, um, last, once, last once year. In, once in Holly Hill. Yeah. Back when I lived uh, in Garner. Okay. Yeah. And that was when I was uh, 26. And how long were you there then? I think I was there for 18 days. Okay. Um, my niece was in Cherry for about three months after an attempted suicide. Um, and started out at Johnston Community. Well, not Johnston Community. Lord Jesus, that's the college. Uh, Johnston Memorial in Smithfield. Started out there. Yeah. And there, I've heard so many people talk about that. And it's just, they have no mental health facility there. You end up being in a room. And I think they even take your blanket. They take everything. You're just in a room. Locked in there. Staring at the walls. Nothing to do. That's how I spent that night in Wilmington. Really? That's um, intense. I got transferred to the place in South Carolina. Okay. When you were in South Carolina, did they do like kind of some intense therapy, try to evaluate you, evaluate your medication? They did some evaluations and evaluation of medication, but there was only really group therapy and trying to get mm-hmm. people to connect. And a lot of people yeah. there couldn't. And that's part of that that mindset of yeah being in a place where you're wanting to hurt yourself. Yeah, depression and just I think depression is just such a heavy thing. And I don't I've been depressed. I've had moments, but I have never contemplated suicide. So I don't understand that fully. Um, and Lord Jesus, I I was raised to a lot of times I didn't even want to say the word depressed I don't want to say I was depressed because I was afraid that it would enter my spirit like some kind of demon you know and now I look back on it I'm like oh no I was freaking depressed like I was jacked up on the bathroom floor nothing left laying there just snot running desperate nothing left nothing um so yeah that was the that would have been the third time I attempted it yeah but somebody sent someone to check on me about a half an hour before I got around to it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that that's intense. Well, I'm very glad that your story is continuing, you know. And um, so that happened, and I was in the hospital over Father's Day. Okay. Weekend. It was that first weekend I was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And... Obviously, I was there over an entire week. Yeah, yeah. And um, when I got when I got released and sent home, mm-hmm. uh, when I when they when they checked me out and gave me all of my stuff, yeah, to, to come yeah. back and uh-huh. put me in a car to come back, um, I got I got some stuff from. A bunch of missed calls from my parents. Okay. Because at the time, the only people who uh, the pl- the place I went to yeah, was like, called the Lighthouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only two people who could actually talk to me while I was in there were Jennifer and my friend Carrie. Okay. Um, Carrie came down to Wilmington to check on me. Oh. When uh, came down to check on me. Uh, she she left before I left my house. Wow. Or not left before I left my house. She left before I left work. Uh-huh. That day. And um, she got to the hospital 
like 30, 40 minutes after I did. Did she just know? Uh, Jen- Jennifer told him. Okay. That that's what she thought was going to happen. Whoa. Wow. Thank God for good friends. Yeah. Good, good people that truly care. So you had all these missed calls from your parents. Um, um, what I was there? A, how? a lot of missed calls. Uh-huh. Some of them were just like, why haven't you called us? Some of them were angry because they had heard from Carrie and Jennifer, not from me. Well, you right, you probably couldn't. Well, obviously, I didn't have my, I didn't have any electronic devices. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even have a watch. Yeah. I mean, they, they take everything. Yeah. They take everything. I've heard that if you tell them that you're suicidal or that you've had thoughts of suicide, they'll watch you poop. They don't leave you alone. Like, it's its own. So, like, if you do have a thought of suicide, because there are people that have intrusive thoughts, that it's a constant thing where they think about it all the time. And they, if they know they're not really going to do it, they have to keep it to themselves or every move's going to get watched. Yep. Because someone, like like, my brain doesn't work that way. My brain doesn't tell me I'm going to kill myself today, but there are some people, and I don't know that everyone fully understands this, that every day they hear, just kill yourself, just kill yourself. It's, it's just, every, just kill yourself. And they know I'm not going to do it. This is just one of those intrusive thoughts. So they, they're, they don't want to tell anyone because if they do tell somebody, somebody's going to raise the red flag. And, and honestly, they're still functioning. They're still capable of functioning in life, but they just deal with these thoughts a lot more than what a, a typical brain might. So I dealt with a deal lot with, with intrusive thoughts. But Did my you? intrusive thoughts weren't about killing myself specifically. Yeah. Mine were about not wanting to live. Okay. Yeah. Like there was a lot of my life where I just kind of felt like digging a hole and laying down in it. Oh, wow. Just That's, saying cover me up. Yeah. You were just done. Yeah. Wow. Do you still feel like you battle a lot with depression that you have to, that it's a constant battle. Um, it's a bit less of a battle now. Well, that's good that it's improved. Um, it's still a battle, but it's not an intense one all the time. That's good that it's not intense. When it gets intense, do you have like a plan? Do you have something that you do to reach out? Um, well, the people I would normally reach out to, I, some of them I currently live with. Yeah, yeah. So, you live with. so they, that's kind of like, they, I'm sure they're watching you like, hey, 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 girl. They, they you watched, act up. They watched me pretty closely the first year and then things yeah. have eased since then. Because this was um, June of 2019. Okay. That I tried to, that I was going to kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. So really and, not that long ago, really. No. Not really. Um, It was like, so we did that in October. Mm-hmm. So from June to October is the time frame of me recovering. Wow. Very intense. Did you, were you still living in Wilmington during your recovery? Um, <coughs> about, I was there for about two months. Okay. And I got a job with mm-hmm. Cisco. Okay. The place that I originally wanted to work yes, at yes. Um, At the time, my best friend. Mm-hmm. Worked there. He still does. Oh, that's cool. He's a permanent employee now. Uh-huh. At the time, we were both contractors. Okay. And they... It felt like a, a felt like something that would have been great for me. 
and I went to a great team. Yeah. But I arrived at a weird time, and the company was restructuring. Oh, that's tough. And they ended up treating me like a business analyst. Oh, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And trying to do all of these business requirements things Mm -hmm. that people needed that was not... Like what you call my engineer brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a lot of struggle with that. Yeah. And there was definitely some depression in there. But um, during that time is when I, when I met you. Yeah. And then I ended up meeting, uh, I ended up meeting someone that I ended up, uh, Ended up dating for about four months. Okay. Uh, shortly after I got out of the hospital, I met them. Mm-hmm. And then I started dating them in December. Oh, wow. And uh, I started dating them right after I tore my ACL. Oh, shoot. Ow. Ow. So, you can't imagine uh, the pain associated it with was, that. It was almost a month from when I tore my ACL to when I had surgery. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, when you moved back, you moved in with Jennifer immediately, right? Yes. Okay. And then also, uh, I know I'm kind of skipping back here, the parents and the ang- some of the angry phone calls from not knowing okay, so during that time. During that time with the angry phone calls and stuff, what was sent last was an email. Uh-oh. And the email was disowning me. Disowning te- you? Disowning. Disowning? What? And so it, is this from your mother? Yes. Okay. Um, the, the last part of the, the, pro, the last part of it is the part that I remember the most. Yeah. Um, and it was... I hope you find some happiness. Yeah. And when you do, maybe you can drop me a postcard. Oh my God. I don't, as a mother, I don't understand. I just don't understand. But I've seen and heard it all. I think. Um, and, and you were literally just coming from the hospital from trying not, I mean, you were about to kill yourself. A friend saved you. Yes. And, and you get all these missed calls. They're angry. They know that you were about to attempt suicide because they heard it through the grapevine. They're pissed that they didn't hear it from you. They they basically acted like they didn't realize how bad off I was because they didn't even mention the fact that I may have been in the hospital until after they disowned me. So when they disowned you, did they say, like, this is from me and your stepdad or your brother too or just uh, just your parents or your mom and stepdad? Anything my mom does, my stepdad's going to be behind. Yeah, yeah. My brother's going to be about a footstep behind him. Oh, shoot. So it was basically like, hey, I've just tried to hurt myself because I've dealt with a lifetime of depression. I never even got that conversation with him. You never even got that? Nope. And you probably still haven't? Nope. Not until today. Were you close to your mom before that? I mean, you said you guys talked like 15 minutes a day. I was a mama's child. Oh, my God. So, I just, well, first of all, I'm sorry. I am sorry that you had to experience that because you didn't deserve it. You truly did not deserve that. And um, 
I'm proud of you that you've continued your life. I mean, if you struggle with depression and, yeah. and those types of things and the people that are supposed to love you most in this world treat you that way, it has to be hard. So it has, it has to be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Incredibly difficult. But I admire that you, you're keeping on plugging along. Um, so I actually think that they would have been able to contact me at the hospital. Really? Had they tried to use my right name because my name had changed already. Been changed. Okay. Cause yes, you did mention two name changes. Yes. So what was your, um, what well, you don't have to tell me the name you were born with. You don't, I don't want you to feel pressured to do that. Um, but you changed your name twice. Did you change your name originally to when, f- when I was 17? Okay. Um, I took my mom's maiden last name. Okay. Which is Johnson. Okay. Okay. So you still have Johnson now. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, I've, I've been going by Charlie for 25 years. Okay. Okay. My, yeah. my original first name was Charles. Okay. Well, that kind of makes it easier, too, honestly. And, and Charlie is used short for both. It is. It's very much a, what would you call it, androgynous? Is yeah, that a word? It's, it's, an, it's an androgynous shortening of two two names that have the same root yeah yeah i mean adrian can be a male or female name yes i know yeah i know one of each so most of the time it's it honestly it's mostly males that have a spelling similar to mine um so growing up i was always like i got a boy name and a girl name you know uh my mom had a boy's name really and my dad had a girl's name no way how crazy is that my mom's name was marty m-a-r-t-y uh-huh my father's name was Jackie, J-C-K-I-E. No way. Wow. That's that's wild for sure. So you originally changed your name to your last name, and then you changed your name officially to, is it Daisy Charlotte? Daisy Charlotte. Johnson. Okay. So you just go by Charlotte. Yes. Most of the time. I mean, does anybody call you Daisy? Yes. Oh, okay. So like, I, I have people who call me that, including Rob and Gary. Okay. My, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's cool. I've been cool. through some shit with them. How long have you guys been friends? Uh, we were me and Rob were sort of friends back when Rob was a freshman in high school. So okay. I was in eleventh grade. Oh wow! So y'all kicking it back? Y'all y'all been kicking it back for a while? And uh, that was around the time I stopped seeing my friend that I met when I was a little 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 kid. Yeah. Um, I met all of those guys through one of the guys that I ended up playing football and basketball with. Really. And I hung out with them a lot. Mm-hmm. And there were girls who hung out with them too. And that included Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were, they were head over heels for each other. Really, really oh, young. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Neither of them quite knew how to handle it right. <laughs> yeah, well. Because well, they didn't get back together until I was, until after I was done with college. Wow. Sometimes it's like that. Um. There's other parts of their stories, but that's their story. So you guys, um, they're like your best friends, really? Some of your closest yeah, friends? Yeah, Rob's, Rob's my closest friend, and wow. Carrie's like my sister. Oh, I love that. Um, I, during, what? So when I was 25 or 26, uh-huh. uh, we went to a beach trip to see one of our friends. Okay. Me, Rob and Carrie went down. Uh-huh. And Carrie got pulled out on an undertow. Oh, my gosh. 
That's scary. And I took off after her. Yeah. With you better uh, save somebody's life. It was like a wakeboard or a boogie board. Really? You call it one of those. And uh, I was able to get right on top of it. Got the strap around her. So the strap was over her, over it, and then strapped to her wrist. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> We're just hitting microphones here while we talk. It's fine. It, and then strapped to her wrist. So she was kind of pressed down t- onto it. Yeah. And I swam her back in. How in the world you got her out from an undertow? That's, that's um, pretty intense. Yeah. I'm not the fastest swimmer. Yeah. But I can displace enough water to be able to just power through water wow. coming at me. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd be that good at it, honestly. I, I, so miraculously, we got through that, and Carrie was fine. Yeah, uh, I I ended up with water in my lungs. No, got, you didn't, and, and got pneumonia. No, oh my gosh, I've heard about that too, where people um actually drown afterwards sometimes. I got bacterial pneumonia. Oh my word! That's, from getting seawater, but lungs. it was worth saving your friend. Yeah. Definitely worth that. That's a pretty cool story. Sean's been stuck in a riptide before when he was young. And that was pretty well, scary. Well, rip, riptide and undertow are very similar. Yeah, yeah. So basically almost the same. So yeah, but so it was... Carrie didn't know how to swim. Oh, shoot. Shoot. Yeah, that's... um, Yeah. That was something I didn't know about or I would not have suggested what we did. Yeah, yeah. And that was... So we went to Carolina Beach. Uh-huh. And people who know about Carolina Beach know there's a sand dune. Yes. That's about between 50 and 100 yards out, depending on the season and uh-huh. the year. Um, that's like waist high water. Yes. And you're 50 to 100 yards from the shore. Yeah. So we were out there on that. Oh, my gosh. When the undertow hit. And then it's like, uh-oh. And I told the guys to get back to shore when I took off. Yeah. After Carrie. And, uh. When we got back to shore is when I found out that she couldn't swim. And then you're like, what? And I go, okay, so we should not have been out on the sandbars. (laughs) We shouldn't have done that, but now we've done it and you've survived. Let's not do it again. Yeah. Um, Can she she, swim now? Yes. Oh, look at that. She she can swim now. Oh, good. I'm Uh, so proud of her. Probably not enough to deal with an undertow. I do a mean doggy paddle, personally. But but (laughs) she can tread water and stay above yeah. stuff. I, That's I about what that I've got. I mean, it's not, it's not fantastic what I'm rocking with. So I do want to talk about, um, well, first I, I want to hit like faith. Do you struggle with faith or do you not have a faith? Cause I think uh, whatever you say is appropriate for you. You know, there's um, no judgment here. At this point I consider myself agnostic. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was raised um, Southern Baptist. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was baptized at 13 or 14. Okay. Yeah, I was baptized around 13 myself. And uh, it had a religion for me was a lot of tied to my family. And sometimes it can be rules and not relationship. Like, I think it's so important for me personally, like, Viewing God through my own lens, you know, before I would say having a personal relationship with Jesus, I'm not saying that that's not maybe what I have, but viewing God through my own lens, there are things about the Bible that I struggle with, like a lot of the killing and a lot of the really harsh things I really struggle with. So instead, I like to view God, honestly, I like to view God as neither male nor female. 
because I like to view him as motherly because I know how I feel as a mother and how nurturing I feel towards my children. And it helps for me to view a God like that as the one that I and, am submissive to. And and that I, that I believe in as well. Yeah. And that's also why I believe if God is, is, is real. Yeah. God is definitely, <laughs> yeah. definitely more feminine, at least, if not a woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that has to do with the whole process of what happened for yeah. everything. It just, it makes more sense. Yeah, I get that. Um, for someone being motherly. Yeah, I, I really struggled with thinking of God as demanding and almost out to get me and looking for everything I did wrong. And then when I thought of him as nurturing me, I was like, oh, I can dig that. And I can dig wanting to protect someone no matter what. And a lot of my disconnect in faith had to do with how poorly the people that were in and out of my life were with their faith. Yeah. So uh, most of what I was exposed to as a kid and mm-hmm. up through being a teenager yeah, was people believing that they're better than you. And using their faith as a weapon. Oh, shit. That's the truth. Look, 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 you're not even lying. And that alone soured me on organized religion. I completely get it. And I can honestly say that there were times in my own life when internally, I wouldn't vocalize it, but I felt spiritually superior. I did. I felt like, mm-hmm. I have my God and we will deal with this. I will just pray to God. And everything will be fine, you know, or, or like, and I'm not, I mean, I still trust God, but I don't feel spiritually superior to anyone now. And now I understand why people question and I'm not afraid of it. Whereas before, oh, I was scared. Like if you told me you believe different, I would feel like it was my job. Let me get you saved. Let me introduce you to my Jesus. You know, like I felt like that's what I had to do. And I don't feel that way anymore. I just want to live my life and I just want to be a positive influence for people and, and just positive influence and spread joy. Yes. Like spreading joy is such a big deal to me and there's, awareness. There's been a lot of anger and hatred spread at used religion. And oh my gosh. That's where I, I, I had to break from it. I was just like, well, sometimes you have to deconstruct. Like you kind of have to come out of that religion, especially if, if you've not seen uh really good positive examples, for example, Disowning you, mm, I don't think that's very. I don't. I don't think of that as Jesus like. I don't personally. I don't. That's me. No, that's my um, opinion. My family was very hurt. Yeah, and I can and, understand their side too. And I understand them being hurt. Part of that whole process with going through that message was to saying that that I was causing them problems and sure there was probably some problems that I caused them, but they also exacerbated mine. So did they not want, so it was my final explanation when I sent a response to that message was, well, I guess we do need to have a clean break here because this was not working well for either of us. 
Yeah. And at that point, my brain was treating it kind of the way some people do for just a divorce that for our marriage that they've you probably had to treat it that way. Did not work. You probably had to treat it that way. I just, I just struggle a lot with the concept um, because I have seen depression really strong in uh, one of my children. And at one point I didn't even know that she was depressed that bad. And when I remember when they tested her at the psychologist office, or I think it was a psychologist, she tested off the charts for depression and anxiety. And I had no idea. And she was in my home and I was heartbroken. And I've witnessed over the years, especially through puberty and some things like that. Um, just a lot of pain there. And it's hard for me. I want to mother and smother and all those things. So, but it's, it's so hard for me to imagine if her life, let's pretend that she was on this path and she continually had issues. It's, it's hard for me to imagine just not being able to be part of that anymore because she's always mine and I love her so much and I want to do anything I can to help her and make her life better. So it's hard for me to imagine, um, those things, but I get. I guess. I guess they felt like they just needed, like you said, a clean break. But how was it when you saw them at the funeral? Like, was that awkward? Did you have? Did you speak about it, or just not have any words about it? Just kind of like, hey, we didn't really talk about it at all. Did you speak to each other, like, and say, hey? My mom said that she was glad that I was there. Okay. And gave me a hug. Was that hard? And my stepdad ended up asking me a little bit later how I was doing. And that was that was all of it. Ugh. Um I went I went to the funeral, um, and I wasn't even gonna sit with my family. Yeah, yeah. Um You wanted to pay your respects to your granddad, right? It was your yes. granddad? Yes. Yeah. Um and uh, anybody who finds me on this actually looks. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, so last night, uh, UNC won oh. their basketball game. I, I, and, I saw some people celebrating on and, Facebook. Um, my grandfather got me into sports. Oh, uh-huh. With college basketball and yes. football. And we watched college basketball and, and professional football mm-hmm. from the time I was like, Five. Oh wow! Until mm-hmm. my family said no, we're we're done with this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, by then it was already painful for me because at that point I was transitioning and my yeah. grandfather didn't understand it. Yeah, older generations. It was. I think it was harder on them. Uh, it, it was not even just that. It was the fact that he was. He had been declining to the point where he wasn't all there. Okay. Okay. Like, I could see the bright spots, and I could see times where it just wasn't all there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sad progression. And that was just what happens. Yeah. Um, And I think it was hastened by um, uh, treatment for his cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, So... Um, I posted about I posted last night after they won that I was really mm-hmm. happy about it and I wish I could have shared it with them. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he would have enjoyed that too. Oh, I yeah, miss he would have. God. I miss he he he's, my grandparents. He started listening 
to UNC basketball um, in the 40s. What? How cool is that? Um, that is cool. And so I got introduced to it, obviously, in the in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. Being a child of the 80s. Yes. My husband is so proud to be a child of the 80s. He loves all 80s things. Everything. He's like, I wish we could just go back to the 1980s. There, there's some really good stuff from the 80s, and there's some really shit stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're not even lying there. But uh, I guess some of the like the toys we had, some of the, the fun drinks or different things we had, and just um, the way movies were, Yeah, all that. He loves some 1980s movies. Yeah, so. Um, another thing, so like you are into card collecting. Card, right? Like, like. Yes. What kind of cards do you collect? Um, so, predominantly, I collect Magic the Gathering cards. Okay. And that's a game that I usually play with, uh, well, Rob introduced me to it. Okay. That's also how I got to know Jennifer. Really? So, um, when I started, the first time I worked with Rob, uh-huh. I quit my job at an insurance company. Mm-hmm. You've had and, all kinds of jobs. <laughs> and, and went to work for uh, a group called 3C. Okay. Um, they did. They were an institute that put together research mm-hmm. and tools to help people with different things. Okay. From autism all the way to uh, type 1 diabetes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. And one of the, thing, one of the big things I worked on while I was there was this app for... It was sort of gamifying taking their medications for type one diabetes. Oh wow. To get get kids to interested in wanting to keep doing it. Yeah, because type one diabetes is something that's predominantly found in children, right? Yes. Yes. So you actually helped create an app where they'd be reminded to take their medicine but you made it fun. Yes. That's cool. That's really cool. Um we, we had parts of our group that was really more into the gamifying and I was more into the back end and making it work yeah making sure the reminders happened and sending the reminders out yeah yeah i I did a lot of the stuff that you don't actually see happen but Uh it it's what makes everything work out makes it tick yeah if you're not back there doing that work it's not gonna work (laughs) it's just not gonna work out at that point it's just a weird game yeah yeah what is this why do i i don't even understand i'm not even i don't get this yeah that's funny um now do you do you do like dungeons and dragons stuff and all that uh too? yes uh okay we actually had our had our dungeons and dragons thing this morning really now what do you do at these like do you have a meeting like what do you do so trade cards I no mean. no no Dungeons and Dragons, we have a campaign that we are running. Really? Um, my character is kind of the face of the team. Uh-huh. And a rogue. Oh. So, not exactly the most trustworthy person to be the face. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> a, a lot of stuff that happens in D&D ends up being, um, I think the word wording used is murder hobos. Oh. They, 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 you... You do a lot of fighting and killing yeah. of monsters and sometimes just bad people. Uh-huh. And our campaign, of mm-hmm. a friend of ours, uh, set up for us, and he DMs. 
which is the dungeon mm-hmm. master okay. does non-player characters and sets up the situations for us. So is this like, are you actually like sitting in a group with these people? Yes, we're I, sitting at the kitchen table with dice. No way. Figurines. Because I our love friend, it. Our friend has a 3D printer and he actually printed oh. our characters. Oh, well now that's cool. And uh, along with that, um, he got us this really awesome dice trays. Wow. So how many people are, are in this? So right now there are five of us playing in the campaign with, okay. our, with, with our friend who's running it. Yeah. Being the sixth. Sometimes there's six of us, mm-hmm. depending on whether or not uh, one of the other two people that has joined us from time to time is able to attend. Or attend. Right. Yeah. So are these things that like bring you joy now? That help you kind of, because I'm, I'm sure depression is a lifelong battle, yeah. I'm assuming. I mean, I, I from what I've gathered, it. I mean, because it's probably a chemical imbalance yeah. in, in all reality. And so are these things, do they help bring you joy? Do you feel more satisfaction in your life from getting to do these things and being around people? Um, there's definitely more satisfaction, some joy. Mm-hmm. But not always. Yeah. And that's just sometimes I just fall away from it because it's just not, mm-hmm. it's not doing it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So what brings you joy? Do you know? I'm still working on that. You're working on it. But you, you can, that's good. But at least you're working on it. You're working on it. You're making progress. You know, you're, I would definitely call you a survivor, a very strong woman. You know, I'm impressed with you. I, I swear I, I cannot imagine dealing with some of the things you've had to deal with. You know, I really can't. So I very much admire what you've done and, and you're, you're still here. You're still plugging along. I'm proud of you for that because I don't think some people realize how truly difficult that is some days. Yeah. Some days, um, getting out of bed is not even just the challenge, but, like the hardest thing I can do. And see, I, I can't imagine that because I've not been to that point. I mean, I've had some low points recently when I had some health issues and we also had a lot of stress in our home. There was a day I thought Sean's going to have to admit me. He's going to have to like, I, I never saw this day coming, but I'm going to have to be admitted if I can't pull out of this. I literally had no emotion, none. It was gone. I didn't want to be bothered. I didn't want to be talked to. I wanted to just stay to myself. And I was miserable. And I can't, I don't, I don't know if it's like that for people who really battle depression. Is it like that? Um, usually by the time we hit our lowest, it's been like that for a few months. Months. And I dealt with that feeling for a day. And it almost undid me. It almost undid me. So to deal with that for months. Um, I would say really probably that sort of feeling. It's just so worn down that you're numb to all of it. Really? Uh, I've spent probably five or six years of my life feeling like that. Good gosh. I, I can't even wrap my head around that. So do you feel, um, or you feel like you're currently in a better place? Or you're kind of on the road, like, in a trajectory towards a better place? Uh, I'm definitely in a better place than I have been in. That's good. Um, we're working on what that road looks like. Yeah. Continuing. 
Do you have like goals that you want to meet or things you want to do or like a bucket list? Uh, I do have a bucket list. Okay. And one of those things was to play in the World Series of Poker. And you, uh, okay, so we mentioned that earlier and I got I to gotta know about this. Like, how do you get in the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas? Uh, you show up and you pay money. Oh, oh, is that it? A you lot of money? Yes. A lot of money. How much practicing do you do back home? I mean, like, are you, do you play poker all the time here? Uh, I have not in several years. But you were there, when was this? Last year? Mm-hmm. During COVID? Like, you just. Well, everything kind of got better between October and November. Okay. And I went there the week before Thanksgiving. Wow. Okay. So how did you do? Uh, I came, I was like 20, 20 people away from actually, uh, making a profit. No way. In the tournament. Wow. I'm so impressed. I'd be like the bottom of the pool, like the very bottom. Like how many people even participate in that kind of thing? Uh, that specific event was about 3,600 people. 3,600 people. And you, yeah. you. So I'd say you did fairly well considering. I mean, obviously you weren't the ultimate winner. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, but I can't even imagine. Yeah, the, the winner of that event got like $380,000. Good Lord. Are you glad you did it? Uh, Yeah. It yeah. also made me feel confident that I w- it was the right decision. Really? And that uh, one day I will go back and play again. Oh, yes. I love that. Future plans. So what's something else on your bucket list? Um, a lot of the things are more innocuous. Like um, I want to uh, watch the sunrise over the Alps. I like that. I like that. You I want to see the uh, Aurora Borealis. Oh, that would be amazing. And maybe I can squeeze that in at the same time to going to see the Blue Lagoon. Where's the Blue Lagoon? It's in Iceland. Is it really? Yes. And Iceland's it, green, it, right? Yes. That's what I've heard. Iceland's and then, green. And Greenland's, Greenland's ice. ice. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. That would be really cool. I, I think I just developed a bucket list because I had the opportunity to go to Arizona. A friend was going to visit her sister. And I'd always known that I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. So when I was there, I thought, I'm going to make a bucket list. And so like now there's things on there. Like, I want to go to Yellowstone. I want to see the, is it the Redwood Forest? Yes. I want to see those trees that are massive. I want to see them in person. I want to stand in front of them. Northern Oregon. Is that in Oregon? Is that yeah, where? Yeah, I think it's Northern Oregon. Okay. Well, I, I want to do those things. So, like, I put that on there. I put, like, Niagara Falls on there because eventually I just want to do it. in this book. You have that. Wow. So, you have your bucket list in the book? I see this. Okay, so, um, Charlie, she has this book and it it's is. It's a journal. It's a journal and it is, like, full of tabs. She's so organized. Sometimes. I, I swear my stuff does not look like this. Oh, so, so you actually have your bucket list. I have mine on a page, notes app. Page 245. Wait, there's an index in this journal. Guys, oh my God. Like, <laughs> she is with it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's how much is on it right now. Oh, wow. So, you um, got like, what, like 10 items on there? Uh, there's... Okay, so there are 12 on this list. And oh. one of them, I obviously did see the... Uh, to go to the World Series of Poker that I've already done. Oh, wow. But I haven't actually technically crossed off of it. 
Yeah, well, you know, but, uh, you want to go back too, so you kind of got to add a little caveat there. Like, I want to go back. Yeah, but going back at this point is more about seeing where I am in my life when I can. Yeah. Um, I can always say that I went and played. Did you I go alone? Have that now. Yeah, you do. You do have that. Were you by yourself when you went, or did you take anyone with you? I was by myself. Okay, that impresses me as well. We had one other podcast guest recently that she began doing things by herself. And I, like, she went to New York City by herself. And I'm like, I'm so impressed. Because it's so rare that people, especially women, are willing to do things alone. So I'm very impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was my, the plane flight heading out there was the fourth time I was ever on a plane. What? No way. Wow. Now, how did COVID affect you? In, in your opinion, like, did that, um, did you enjoy being at home more? Some of it I did, but mm-hmm. I really missed some of the things that I did in person. Yeah. Like, a lot of stuff I did with the trading cards magic. You couldn't do I, it. I, I, it was not safe. It just wasn't, yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, the time where it started to feel around safe was obviously when I went to um, Vegas. Yes. And... When I was in Vegas is when I started seeing more information about what is uh, the Delta variant. Oh, shoot! That's that's when that started to hit. And that Delta won't no joke. And, uh... I mean, it really was At that point, I was like... I was thinking maybe December we would have things more back to normal. I was hopeful. And by December we were kind of further back down into a lockdown. I think we're in a much different place right now. I think that suddenly we're seeing a much different uh, phase of COVID and I am thankful, but I don't know if everything will ever go a hundred percent back to the way it was. It'll never be a hundred percent the way it was. Yeah. And I never thought I'd live through a pandemic. Never. I mean, like, you know, you heard about stuff and you were like, yeah, that happened way back then. Spanish flu, all that, you know, that was back. Never did I think that we would live through this. I definitely saw um, my children's mental health decline. During that time, it was a tough uh, it, it's, season. It's been a lot for a lot of a lot of children. Yeah, there was a time that I had to make the decision that I had to I had to pick physical health or mental health, and I chose at one point mental health for my child because they were laying on the floor, just crying and crying and couldn't stop. And I was like, I and I had forbidden we can't leave this house we can't go at that point it was a very dangerous time to get out really truly everybody was getting sick and then I said you know what I I can't I can't your mental health is worth more to me than our physical health so let's hope we do okay let's hope we do okay and we got through it you know we've been fine we had COVID in um December right at Christmas so that was a fun experience are you smelling some yeah does it smell good or bad Familiar. Familiar? Is that weird? Do you pick up on smells? Uh, yeah. Um, since I started. Oh wait, yes. Since I started taking hormones. Uh, yes, I think I also I smell the, that. Apparently, apparently, <laughs> I have the nose of a uh, of a pregnant lady. Oh my god! So estrogen does that. Yeah. So when I was pregnant with Judah, I could smell things a mile away. But yes, I also smell something right now. <laughs> yes. So. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to talk to you about today. I'm honestly, I'm so thankful that you shared your story with us. Is there anything else that you want to share or that you feel strongly about? Well, 
I guess one of the big things for me now is still trying to figure out where my... So, I have been attracted to some guys. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not been really my thing before and i yeah. still don't really know how to process all of that myself and it could but be the estrogen flowing through your system like hey that guy over there be looking mighty tasty <laughs> but you know um, i'm still mostly attracted to women yeah um, so i mean in that case wouldn't you would you're a lesbian that's what you consider yourself um and uh, that's been part of why I've been trying to weigh my options and figure out what I wanted to do with surgery. Uh, and that does make sense because that would be an important piece of that because you may want to find the person that you feel like you want to be in a long-term relationship with and make that decision together. That's some of what I thought about for a while. Yeah. But it's just not been realistic for the last few years. Yes. I understand that. Yeah. And one of my good friends from Wilmington mm-hmm. uh, had surgery recently and they're going to finish up their surgeries oh, wow. later this year. Well, how's that going for them? Uh, Is this male to female or yes. female to male? Okay. Um, the the surgeries they've had done so far have been really good for them that's good been helping them a lot good then their mental health yeah um it was a little hard for them because they were married okay and their wife was tried to process it yeah yeah she she was she considered herself a little too straight i yeah to, i've to, seen to continue yeah um in the relationship with it at this point, another woman. Yeah. Yeah. I've and, seen it uh, work for women and men that the man then said, no, I'm not a man. I'm, I'm a woman. And they transitioned and it worked well. It worked yeah. well. So I do want to ask this. What does, does it bother you? The word, the term transgender, does that bother you at all? Are you comfortable with it? Or are there ever, are there words that you hear that are very offensive? Still, um, I don't really hear any of the offensive stuff anymore. Okay. Um, transgender doesn't really bother me. It's not what I would like to be. You just want to be a woman. Yes. I'm just a woman. Uh, if we could go back and flip some switches and just redo all of this as a woman, uh, I, I would. I, let's do that. Your today. life would be so much easier. It would be truly a lot easier if you could have flipped the switches. Easier in some places and harder in others. Yes, yes. It would. I mean, no matter what, because then you'd have to come out as a lesbian or bisexual. That would have been been very, very clear from a very young Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love it. Yeah. I I apparently, uh, as a small child... um, Liked boobs a little too much. Oh, you know what? Um, My husband says... That anyone under five and over 95 can do whatever they want, pretty much, and get away with it. Because our son, when he was young, he touched some boobies a few times when it was not appropriate. And Sean's like, under five and over 95, you can get away with a lot. (laughs) But any time in between that, it's a no. It is a no. Yeah. um, Really, between the ages of three and five. Yeah. Or me trying to... uh 
learn to not do that. Yeah, yeah. Let me not touch those breasts or stare at them. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Which I think, you know, there's a lot of men out there that would get that too. So my husband is one of them. Yeah, he, he likes, he's a boob man. Which I'd much rather prefer than being a butt man. Because I don't really like my butt being grabbed. I mean, it's okay, that's, but that's, I just... That's fair. Yeah, yeah, it's just I, not I my mean, preference. I mean, like, I like them so much, I grew my own pair. And yet you grew your own pair. I'm proud of you. Look at that. Look at that. And I guess that was kind of an easy... Was that a fairly easy process when you go on estrogen and a testosterone blocker? That you grow breast fairly easily? Um, some people do, some people don't. Okay, but you were fortunate? Uh, it really depends on hormone levels and the way your body processes it, and some of it based on genetics. Okay, okay. And the women in my family were... Well-endowed? Well-endowed, well yes, yes. So, um... So you were fortunate? Yeah. In that you just grew a set? That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure you're thankful for that part of your transition being an easier one, you know, definitely. Yeah, a lot of people will have implants because they just don't. I would like implants. Yes, I would. I would like them to fill out that extra skin I have. I mean, mine used to be, I was anywhere from 250 pounds to 300-something pound woman, and I nursed. And at one point, my breasts were an F. And now... I consider them to be a B-long. Like, they're, they're, a, they're, I'm talking them into a C-cup. So what you're saying is they be long. Yes, exactly, exactly. I've done a few party tricks with these things and pulled them out. Not completely out of the shirt. I don't want anybody to be like, oh my God, Adrian. But there are listeners to the podcast that they've seen the party trick where I just flip it out and let it lay. And they're like, oh my God, girl. You need to get that fixed. And I'm like, well, this is what happens, you know, like when you... You know, I can understand it, it's completely different, but I can understand being uncomfortable in my body since I've lost weight. Yeah. So I was more comfortable uh, in a sexual way when I was a big girl because then boobies, they stood up on their own. I mean, they were looking right. And then you lose weight and everything's just different. It's like melted butter that's been reformed and it's a lot. And so I have to not think about that when I'm with my husband, but my husband is so gracious and loving and amazing. And he loved me as a big woman. And now he's loved me as a smaller woman. And I so appreciate that. And he yeah. doesn't give me a hard time over my body. So it's like, he loves you because he loves me. And that's the thing about love. I mean, Sean's a big guy that doesn't bother me at all. At all. I adore him. And I don't expect him to look different for me or be anything different. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's love. So, um, the last thing I was going to mention was so you actually mentioned, broadly mentioned it about some people being born with their chromosomes being incorrect. Yes. Um, uh, I haven't found someone to do the actual test. Uh huh. But, I have most of the symptoms. Really? Of someone who was born with an additional X chromosome. Isn't that interesting? Because people always talk about it as X and Y. Yes. But there's actually five chromosomes. Wow. And you only need the one Y chromosome to have male features. Yes. Yes. So it's... Two of my doctors believe that uh, mine's going to be four X's and one Y. Are you going to get the genetic testing? At this point, it... It'd be kind of interesting to know. It, it would be interesting to know, but it's one of those... It's not going to change It's not going to change anymore. anything, but it definitely makes you interested. And I guess 
in that same sense. I mean, I think about my own child. My own child's chromosome duplication is on an X chromosome. And, you know, the funny part of that is uh, only one X chromosome is is needed to be the active one, right? So she has two of these X chromosomes for her female hormones or whatever, yeah. and only one is required to be active. Typically, when there is an error in the X chromosome, the one that is perfect is the one that is selected to be dominant, but not in her case. Yeah. So I guess I kind of look at that and I'm like, okay, well, you're going to tell me she's perfect. She's fine. We just love Marissa. She's fantastic. But yet somebody with a, a gender identity we, that we, you don't know, I mean, like this could be the case for them as well, that their chromosomes are different. You can't, you know, there's... There's really no difference. Marissa's did not affect her gender identity, but they did affect a lot. They affected her cognitive ability. They affected so much. But what about this person over here? You know, and it's not fair to discriminate against that person or be rude to that person or be harsh and critical. I think what I would like people to take away most is um, to try to be more understanding, even if you don't understand it you don't have to agree with it that's not what we're asking but don't be rude don't be that's, cruel that, that was the big thing is don't be malicious yeah um it, there are some people who say they're afraid of people who are transgender really and realistically we're a heck of a lot more afraid of people who aren't I could because, see that because of discrimination. Because not just but discrimination. I mean, there's murder. A lot of people are murdered. I mean, I don't think people realize that. Um, I see it more because of some of the groups I follow and some of what I'm in, especially black transgender. Yes. It is so sad. Black transgender women that are, <clears throat> I mean, maliciously murdered. Yes. It is horrible. So, so yeah, the rates of violence in people that are transgender is just, it's very sad. It's very sad. And just because we don't understand something doesn't give us the right to, to be truly that ignorant. Yeah. Like, just be a good human. How hard is it? I think, I think what I read was they're three times as likely to uh, uh, experience physical abuse. Really? Um, more likely, I don't remember the number, but more likely to re receive emotional abuse. Wow. And um, more likely to be um, sexually abused. And that's just tragic to me. It's so very sad and it's so undeserving. And, um, and, and that's, I understand that that's part of, I think, what my mom had a problem with. You think was she was the, scared was for the, you? Was the, being scared for me. Yeah. But... What I needed from her at that time was just to tell me it'll be okay. Validate Figure it out. I'll be with you through the process. That's what you need. Yeah. And, and I, I think... I needed a hug and say, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And I wish, I hope that if any parents are listening, that their children ended up, end up coming out as transgender, that they will, or, you know, a, you know, sexual preference, that they will take the time to just... They can process their own shit separate. Yeah. Process that junk separate. Be there for your kid. Yeah. Just be there for your kid. Even if it's just a hug. If you don't know what to say. If you can't say anything nice, shut your mouth. Even if it's your own youngin. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. And try to be willing to learn. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't let fear overtake you. Because I think sometimes fear makes us do things that later on we can't take back. And, um, yeah, I think it's important that we, we take a step back. I mean, trust me, when my niece came out, I tried that day to put myself in her parents' shoes. And I thought, what if my child? And I thought there would be a grieving process. Should there be? Technically, no. But there would be because of what we have expectations for people. And is that fair of us? Is it fair that when our baby's born that we're like, oh, one day I'm going to be a grandma. You know, I'm going to have grandchildren. They're going to marry somebody and all this. It's not really fair for me to put that expectation on my children. My children do not have to provide anything for me. But I need to provide for them. I need to nurture them. I need to love them and I need to support them. Because I chose to have them. Being there and supporting them is incredibly large. Yeah. do it. Do you think, would you ever work with any advocacy groups or have you, have you considered it? No, I haven't considered it. Yeah. Um, it's still very new to me. Have you gone to Pride? Uh, I've been to one Pride festival. Oh, so we need to go to Pride. We need to go to Raleigh this year. We need to find out what's going on and just go and just go and just enjoy it and be around I went to a Pride event last year for the first time with um, my niece and um, one of my daughter's friends um, and my daughter. And it was beautiful. It was just families. And it was beautiful. And I was like... There were a lot of families there. Yeah. And you just... There was so much love and acceptance. And I think a lot of people... um, Maybe in the faith community, do they think that that the rainbow and all this, that people are trying to shove it in their face with their parades and all this. But in reality, it's that um, like people that were homosexual were treated so differently. They were persecuted. They were considered to be mentally ill. You know, there was just so much they went through and like the abuse that they went through. So... Yes. Um, it's not about shoving sexuality or gender identity in anyone's face. It's not about stealing God's promise. It's not about that. It is literally about we were persecuted, we were held down, and we are still fighting for basic human rights. That's all we're fighting for is just to be accepted, just to be loved and treated like a normal human because uh, we are. Yeah. We are normal humans. So, but if people would just, just open your minds a little bit, just, just a little bit, even if it's just a little crack, we'll be happy with any baby steps towards that. So, and I think being friends with people, it's good. Being friends with people that are different than you is so good. It's been good for me. So. It's definitely been good for me. Well, I'm glad. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte, for being on our podcast. I'm so thankful, like I said, that you were willing to share. So proud of you for every step you've taken. And I just hope that you have continued success. I hope that you find things that bring you joy. I really do. That would be my, my biggest takeaway from today. If I could do anything for you, it would be like, I want to help you find things that bring you joy. Um, Cause you're worth that and you deserve that. And I, I want that for you. I still need to hear that from time to time. Well, we'll just have to remind you. That's all. We'll just remind you because you are worth it. So thank you so thank much. You.